Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Angie Velez, Joe Dells, and this is now episode 186. In this episode, we're going to go over my tight end rankings, our thoughts on Aaron Donald's record-setting contract, Deshaun Watson reacting to PFF's top coaches list, and previewing the AFC South. A quick YouTube member and Patreon shout-out to Phantom Wolf, Danko Hawkins, Matthew Jimenez, Varen, Dennis, UK, Boge, J-Love, Clear, Zach, W, Cole, Deshaun Watson's top five, Alexander, Nazir, Dwayne, Riv is a gorgeous man, Scary Terry, Travis Toomer, Drew's the Goat, Holmes, Nairi, your boy Nick, Jake the Snake, Corrupt, Kobe, Dylan, Afosa, Mason, Winning Silence and Make Them Think You're Losing, Gentile Drew, Cade MVP, Mark, SP4Z Shot, Jordan What, Evan, Dylan, Joel is the Goat, Mayo, Andre, Peter, Daniel, Ben, Ruthless, Rooster, Kill Moves, Joel B, Eagle Dollar, Tizzy, Corey, Get Funkoed, Dylan, Playboy, Orlando, Big Chuck, Michael, Cole, Liam, T, Grove, 17, Tua Sucks on Car, Ryan, It's Black Ace, Anthony, BJ, PJs, Langston, Jazzy Juice, Johannes, Dave, Muffins, John, Sean Triplett, Burner Hoops, Court Cousins, Hakari, and Jay Aqua. Good old Jay Aqua. Let's go, sir. Time to get into a lot of controversial topics. Uh, well, not controversial, just the Deshaun Watson thing. Controversial, controversial on his end. We're going to be reviewing his uh, very alarming New York Times article. Go over the AFC South and see... Where we Your have squad. everybody. Your boys. My Indianapolis Colts. Your boys. I, I hope that you've been keeping up with the OTAs that's been going on because there's been somebody. There's that, Campbell breakout. And that's what's going to happen. There's Campbell. That's, I'm starting that agenda on this episode. You know what I noticed? Uh, the other day I was playing Warzone with Pee Wee. And, and I, was, I, also noticed this, I also noticed this when he was on the show last time that at first, when we were first on the show, whenever he would say my name, he would say Joel. Then I think he got into his own, he got into his own head and was like, "Is it Joel or Joel?" Then later in the episode, he started saying Joel. I played Warzone with him, and then he said Joel, and I'm like, you know, I didn't have this problem before Joel came on the show. <laughs> now, now everybody is is having second thoughts, and they're not sure how to correctly pronounce Joel, my Joel, because yeah. they're like Joel, Joel, and I'm like. It, it, that complicated? it fucked everything up, man. Did you tell him that it was Joel? I didn't because I'm gonna be honest. Like I'm I so, hate correcting people when I don't. They, yeah, my name. I don't. I, I don't have patience to correct people with that. Yeah. Understandable. Personally, and they say Joel. I'm just like whatever. All right, yeah. Like you know, if somebody says it, like for example, we're playing Warzone. He's like, yeah, Joel. Like there's a guy over there. I'm not gonna be like, yo, it's Joel. Okay, I bet yeah. I'm gonna go over there. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm just gonna be like, okay, I'm just gonna answer what he was originally saying. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking to you, I'll accidentally say Joel and like yes. immediately realize, uh, Joel, yeah. my bad. Commonly. Course. Oh, you, you still? Strong. Oh, you still mess up his name? No, I mean, yeah, I say Joel. Now you do. Oh, no, I now nah, for sure. Often, yeah, yeah, no. Like, Calvin, kind of but as soon as I say it, I realize I'm like, oh you shit, because you have to make that distinction now. Because you put, you put me in his sense. Like he says some wild things, and you can't be like, oh, Joel said this, and you're really talking about me. <laughs> That's facts. You know, I know. I'm, I'm be talking about Gabe Davis. And no. bro, you know what? You know what I said. You know what I should have said. Actually, what? you make a good point. Because on Twitter, I remember that you talked, you you made a comment, you made a tweet about my running backs list, and I could have very easily responded to that, like, why are you talking about yourself? I added you though. 
No, you didn't. I yeah, did. He did. You, I did. Did he you did. add I, me for I real? You, yeah. I don't think you that did. That was hilarious. Yeah. Oh. But either or, if you didn't add me, I could have just responded with that. You could have. Like, yeah. why are you talking about yourself, dude? But I don't put out bad content. You don't put out any content. <laughs> Chill, Joel's there. takes. Come Joel's on. Takes. Joel's takes. Yeah. Subscribe. Once every few weeks. Yeah, we got to yeah. get back into that. We got to all start putting out these lists to go viral. I know. We're going to be working. known as I've been working. the people on the, no, on, working the, on the list. I think I think the come up, like the come up to the NFL season around August. For sure. You, you dropped it super early. You dropped it mad early. Yeah, you got to be first. Yeah, but Fair. it's given us content for the last month, for being honest. Yeah, um, I dropped it early because I don't know. What, what's the point of waiting? There's none. Yeah, know. like my opinion would have been the same like now or later. You think yeah. so? Yeah. I probably would have been higher on some players had had it gone later, honestly. I actually looked at PFF's top 10 wide receiver cores. They had Denver at 10 because they're counting on a uh, Corlin Sutton and Tim Patrick. They they know that Judy's the X factor, but they're more sure on Tim Patrick and Corlin Sutton's impact in the type of offense with Russ. PFF's funny. I don't know who. Maybe someone there watches our stuff. The because Saints I feel made, like, made like 17. I feel like 17. Yeah, they were 17. I feel like we did the running back list. A few days later, they came out with the running back list. They, all, <laughs> they had the Colts second overall on that list, yeah. by the way. I did see they that. Had the, we did the wide receiver ones. They did the wide receiver ones. So, yeah. you know, shout out to the guys at PFL. Also, the Vikings weren't, were, were not top 10. They were not top 13. Receiver core? Mm-hmm. Because they said it's just Jefferson and Thielen and Thielen's then nobody the else. Best wide receiver in, in I was born with Saad last year. So that's, yeah, that's why. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know why. It's a big reason why last show why. that I could be convinced between them and Denver because Osborne actually has some solid production. Yeah, and you have season. a top three receiver. Just it's because he short. has an 87 speed in Madden. KJ? Yeah. That seems low. That's a shame. No, that's very, very low. Because that's a he, shame. It seemed as if he had, he a, had a, a few touchdowns really over the big top. Big plays, for sure. Yeah, those and are big time plays. Before we get into it, some my memory the loud. You know, sometimes it messes me up. But last time we were here, last Friday... We were talking about our next episode and the Celtics series. And I believe, just correct me if I'm wrong, my dear friend Joel said the Warriors were going to be up 2-1. Uh, what, yeah. what happened What happened last night? I mean, it's just the Warriors got exposed for the lack of size. They yeah, don't be, have rim protection. Let me not say scared. Any concern seeping At in? At all. There's concern there. Um, but I'm going to be honest. Like I told myself this yesterday. Uh, I really don't care who wins the finals. But you want your prediction to be like, right. I want it to be right to a sense, but and this guy's gonna, and then you're gonna have to live with me live being right. That's that's even worse than being that's, wrong. Yeah, that's you by know, far the I worst. I really don't care. Like for me, I'm more about the thought process than the than the um process over than the conclusion, right? Because the Celtics can win, but the thought process behind the series was still correct. Um, Why? I don't really trust Boston's offensive consistency, and the offense like they they let the Warriors go on these runs. But what I did overlook when previewing the series is that Golden State has serious lack of size. I knew they had lack of size, but um, I thought offense. I thought Kayvon Looney could maybe mask that a little bit. But there are just too many players right now that are not ready to play in this type of moment. Like um, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Jordan Poole is very inconsistent. You were more more worried about Boston's offensive inconsistency than Golden State's when Curry's really their only consistent scorer while no, the Celtics I think, have I two. think Golden State I think Golden State is fine offensively. I don't think offense was their problem last night. What their problem was that they couldn't get stopped. They scored four, 11 points in the fourth quarter. Okay, in the fourth, but in it the was, second it was a what two point game in the second the fourth, quarter and Curry had 15 in the third. In, in and in the then second a shot in the fourth. In the second quarter the Warriors were cutting down the lead. The reason that they could never catch up is because Boston just kept scoring. 
And that's because they're able to drive yeah. at will. It doesn't matter whether it's Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. They were finding those mismatches. And I think the bigger Steph Curry. That's really literally the bigger the bigger problem for the Warriors, in my opinion, is their defense. It's not even their offense. I think their offense is fine. No, the the issue is when the Celtics don't turn the ball over, they wax them. He had four or five turnovers in the entire second half. Tatum, when he has more assists than turnovers in the last ten, you guys are six and zero. When he has more turnovers than assists, you guys are zero and four. And you saw the stat under over under sixteen uh, turnovers makes a huge difference. Like with thirteen and two under and terrible above. I don't remember the, the exact record. Just yeah, don't but, turn but the ball again, over and rebound, and we're, we could win in five. But yeah, but gonna get another game. you're not going to win. They're going to get another game. I don't know. They're going to win next game. Game four, and Maybe. it's going to be two two going. I don't know if, if we get some more fu chance, they might freak out and go zero for thirty from the three point. I don't line. know, man. It might be over in six in in Boston. I highly doubt it. I think I I pick Golden State in six. I am more like when you ask me about what am I worried about? I'm worried that it's going to go seven instead of six. Like my, my worry is that it's Golden State in seven more so than it's you're, in six. You're, you have to rely on the Celtics turning the ball over. That's the only way they win. I mean, the Celtics have been getting. I mean, for one, Clay had his first good game, and we still beat in them. game three. You still beat them, but we didn't turn, we didn't Curry. Turn the ball but over. You, you still beat them, but Draymond played like absolute garbage. Draymond's going to give them at most what ten points. But there's Max. a difference. There's Max. a difference. There's a difference. To me, Draymond doesn't impact the game with his points. You're right. He impacts the game defensively. Yesterday, he and was not good defensively. Yeah. Game two, he, only he had was three assists too or four assists. Yeah, game two, he was phenomenal defensively. So for me, I look and also Curry getting into foul trouble early really hurt them because he when he in the game. Not for the not not the entire time. In the first no. quarter, he got the two fouls, and in the second quarter, they started off without Curry. And the thing is, like, they can't play Curry for more than an extended period of time. Four minutes is like the max amount of time they can go without Steph Curry on the floor. Because, like you said, it's not that they don't have no offense; it's that that's that he is their offensive is. engine. So everything runs through him, and he's the one who makes everything easier for everybody else. But a lot of people played bad. Draymond played bad. Andrew Wiggins couldn't hit a shot. They weren't good defensively. Wiggins had 13 Curry in got, the first half. Yeah, but he was inconsistent all night long. I, I feel like he missed like four wide open threes. Yep. And Curry got into foul trouble early. Jordan Poole is yet to find any type of consistency. He was good game, too. Yeah, he was. He, he, was all right. he had a he had stretch. 17. He had a stretch where in the third quarter where he was you're hitting taking threes. 17 from Jordan Poole every night. It depends on how he gets the Warriors, to. You'll take in, in the first right half, now. I didn't think Jordan Poole played well. You know, so. Well, this is going to be a gruesome well series. I think there's a lot of things going on in this series. It's a lot of uh, big time matchups. It's about it's a lot of different counters that they're doing, and I like this series. So I'm fine with who wins. Once it. the Celtics uh, stop playing drop coverage on Steph Curry, I, I don't know if Al Horford's a liability. There's something there. to worry about. Al's a liability sure. out there. Sure, that's Rob, why I need Rob 100. percent And Rob, I, not ironically, plays his best game of the finals, and they can't really do anything. Yeah, offensively yeah. When he's stepping boards. up, he's too long. He's a seven six wingspan. But this is how series goes. It's, it's up and down. This it pendulum is. swings. And especially in the finals like this, one game, the momentum swift feels so yeah. crazy. Warriors win next game. They now secure home court advantage in the series. Yeah. Well, then they now have the chance to go into Boston up 3-2 or go into Golden State, tie 2-2, win that game, then go to Boston up 3-2. That's why I feel like I am more confident in it going 7. I doubt Golden State comes out and plays how they played in game 3. Just what Draymond says in the pressers, Curry, his injury wasn't as serious as some thought it would have been, and he said he's going to play. I think the real adjustment that Curry's going to have to make is he's going to have to just let Clay, Steph, and Draymond play 42-plus minutes. I don't really feel like 
there's any room for giving them much yeah. breathers. They just have to be on the court at all times. The Celtics just have to take care of the ball and rebound, and they'll be fine. Yeah. You know, hopefully you see your team win the championship, man. I'll be, I'll be ecstatic. It's not, it's not like it'd be the first time anyway. I know, but bro, it's been 12 years. Yeah. 13 years, yeah. And I don't know. It's something feels better about this one. 14, man. 14, yeah, facts. Something Last feels there's, better about this one. You were in at 12, least, yeah. yeah. What were you saying, Joel? Something feels better about this one if they win the championship this year. Yeah, because it's all guys that have been here. You yeah. know, Al is the only one that's, and Derek White, obviously, but like all guys we've drafted and been a part of the squad for a while. It's been the same the same core with Smart, JB, and Tatum. So how do you feel about people now bringing up the debate that Jalen Brown is just as good as Jason Tatum, if not better? Because he's he's right now what he's like leading candidate to be Finals MVP. JB right now probably for sure. Not in the question. JB comes out every single game, starts off the fourth quarter. Excuse me, first quarter on fire, guns blazing, and he gets the momentum going for the Celtics. And you just really just need Tatum to figure it out eventually. Which these last two games he one hundred percent has been shooting great from three. It's just those two point field goals and a lot of layups he's been missing too. Especially last game missed a lot of layups that he usually hits. Jalen Brown's been that guy. He's been that guy. Just a lot of people have been late to the party because of how the media Casuals, really... Man. Listen, Tatum deserves his flowers, but the media hypes up Tatum so much that everyone kind of thinks is Jalen Brown is just a Robin, but he's a 1B. He's not a 2. He's a 1B. He is He is really, really good. He's mad nice. Yeah. I think Jalen Brown is amazing, but I do have serious concerns if he is the best player on your team. I don't know how far a Jalen Brown-led team could take you I mean, in the right, playoffs. Right now, they're... They're a Jason Tatum-led team. Jalen Brown is having a stretch where he's playing better than Tatum. But this is a Jason Tatum-led team. Okay, so you don't have to worry about it as long as they stay together. That's yeah, something that— Which they will. I think but so, But the question too. is, what do you think a Jalen Brown-led team ceiling is? The thing because about, they're comparing him to Jason Tatum right now. I think Jason Tatum is— I think Jalen Brown is a top— 25. 25 yeah. player. Locked in top 25 player. Jason Tatum is a top 10. He's, I think, just outside. He's between seven to eight range, seven to ten range. What separates the two is that Tatum can play make amazingly. Yeah, that's really what it is. But he goes. He's a better scorer too, where too. he turns the ball over he a is. lot. He's, he's a better scorer yeah, too. Yeah, he's, he's more he's, versatile scorer for yes. sure. That's yeah, why, like, he's a deeper bag if you're a bad guy. Exactly. You know? Like, Which if is why I say Brown, versatile. Yeah. Like, I don't know if Jalen Brown was the best player on, like, like, let's say he goes to the Kings. Like, I don't know. How, yeah. Oh yeah. Well. Yeah, the Kings don't have much to work with. That's a, that's an extreme example, but like if you take Tatum off the Celtics, I still think they're a playoff team, but they're not making the finals. They're, yeah, they're, I, play, they're yeah. a playing team. Yeah, that's fair. That's why I think you know, although Brown's getting a lot of hype or deserved hype because he's he's, he's deserved been, he's been it. Balling. I feel like people got to tone it down between him and Jason Tatum because it's clear that Jason Tatum has the capability, has the talent, the skill. To be the best player on the championship team, Jalen Brown is a complimentary piece in that. Not, not taking anything away from him, but I doubt that he can lead a team as the number one guy that far. Even as like even even a conference finals appearance. Well, the Celtics just have such a complete team that like you have Marcus Mark who gave you twenty every night, be defensive player of the year. Rob Will has been amazing. Grant has hit big shots. Derek White, like they're just such a complete team that even if Tatum is off. You have JB and the rest of the guys to bring him up and bring the team up, which is what happened in game one. Yeah, I agree. And Marcus Smart getting 20-something, it's not going to happen next game either. 
He's, heard this how yeah. many times, dude? That's cool. These That's role cool. players of the Celtics are we nice hit shots, and they're bro. consistent. We hit shots. It's been I'm like just saying, that all no, I know. Well, it's been like Marcus Smart has a good offensive game and has a bad one. It's been like that all postseason too. So then you can bank on whether or not be next game, the game after that, that he'll come back and have a good game. That's just how it's been. Oh, that's fine. I'm just worried about this next one, Game Four, which Golden State is going to win. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. They it, won't, and they've came back from three one before. They have. So not in the finals. Only one, say, only the, one the, team has done that. Ship, oh yeah. The, so they the know finals. how to not. They know how it feels from the opposite end, they and they know how well, to. Well, they dish were it they were down two one against the Cavs uh, when they won. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. That's facts. Yeah, st- they were talking about it post game. Man, better hope, man. Better hope, man. I'm excited. I mean, to me, like I already said, I really, I really don't care who wins. Riv is more so like the Golden State guy for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's a yeah. Not gonna get into it. Even though they try to discredit my prediction along with to hype his up. It'll just be great uh, to go back into our most viewed video and see a three-on-one handicap match. And, you know, only, only guy who stood 10 the, toes down right the, here, choose the Celtics. Brandon Ingram is closer to Jason Tatum than Jalen Brown is one of the craziest takes the show has ever seen. We've Insane. seen some crazy takes. Listen, Pee Wee is... People agreed with that, though. Yeah, and they're nuts. That's crazy. You're, you're saying you're saying B.I. is like a top 12 player at that point. If we if we think JB is a top 20, 25 player, like you're putting Brandon Ingram in your top twelve to fifteen, which that would mean Ingram would be have to be like sixteen. No, but he's saying he's closer 16. to Tatum. No, I know. I think Tatum's like not eight nine right now. Okay, I'm closer he's... to five than the nine. I agree. I think there's six guys that clear him uh, in the, the league currently. Embiid doesn't clear him. I think Embiid clears him. He's an MVP candidate. I was going to say hasn't won it yet. Oh, two Come years in playoffs. a row. <laughs> it's just Boston such a much more complete team. Yeah, very like if team. Embiid is on that team, I think they have similar success. That, that year against Toronto, they had a very complete team. They yeah. they had a they complete were a team. shot away too. I mean, like no, for sure. literally, for a sure. they had a complete team, but they had no continuity. It was a team that just got thrown put together. in, thrown in together, and then everybody left. And Ben Simmons was unhappy with his role because Jimmy Butler had the ball most of the time. Like I feel like Embiid, he needs a fair shot. So. I think Embiid's still the better player, though. Like that's the same argument with like the D book thing that he was the best pro on the best team in the NBA. Like even so with you would that, take there Embiid, are other like, players. If you were to fantasy draft, you draft in the NBA, you're taking Embiid over Tatum. Yes. Oh, no, I would take Jason Tatum. I'm taking Embiid over Tatum. I'll take if the wing. I'll take the guy. I was who's say the wing. I would rather. If it's one guy, I'm building my team around. I'd rather build my team around Embiid. Stays healthier. And then, okay. like, I'd rather it's Giannis, Joker, Luca. LeBron, Steph, KD, and B. That's seven. Even though he just smoked KD. So that's why. And then I don't think there's a huge gap between Paul George and Jason Tatum. And they're like, they're literally in. I think Jason Tatum's in that tier. I think he's like a tier away from being Paul George is a top 10 player. Yeah, but there's a difference between Paul George and Luka. Wait, so Paul George is top 10. Yeah. Jimmy Butler. He'd be 9, 10. Paul George. You said Tatum was 9, so. I mean, eight, but nine. yeah. So Trey I name I named seven. I think I would take Tatum over Trey. I would Jimmy Butler played better than Tatum in the playoffs, bro. He had but a few I would games where he he dropped literally less than ten points, like three games. He, he had, had a, he 10. had a messed up knee, and he's had and Tatum's had a shoulder injury no, for I a while. It started in that heat game. In that I would heat I would put Tatum over Jimmy Butler still. So, but so Butler would probably be behind him, or I would have Paul George over Butler. So yeah, they're top ten players to me. Kawhi Leonard still. Yeah, I'm not counting him because he's hurt, but, know, but he's a guy that you got to put in there too. So, you know, even if Paul, I think Jason Tatum's in that tier though. 
because Kawhi is only going to be ranked lower because he didn't play. But Kawhi is in that elite to elite tier. Like if Jason Ta- Jason Tatum has to win a championship, then go into next season and have an MVP caliber year where he has like a top three year mm-hmm. for me to be like he's one of those elite of elite guys like Luca, Steph, um, Yo- jo- the Joker, Giannis, yeah. like that type of guy. But right now he's like in the Paul George, Jimmy Butler That's cool. range to me. That's cool. Yeah. So on to the show. Let's get on to it. Reacting go. to my tight end rankings. So this time I'm definitely going to put the list on the screen. I keep forgetting, but I'm going to do it for sure this time. You got scolded in the comment section last yeah. video. Why does he never put the list on the screen? <laughs> I'm going to do it this time. So let's go from 32 to 1. Uh, 32, Hayden Hurst. Then 31. I'm just going to start naming yeah. the names. Moali Cox, John U. Smith, Brevin Jordan, Gerald Everett, Tyler Conklin, Irv Smith Jr., Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper, Cole Komet, CJ Uzama, Jack Doyle, who's retired, and that was a mistake. <laughs> Noah Fant, Logan Thomas, Tyler Higby, Robert Tunyon, Mike Gesicki, Pat Fairmuth, Albert O, Dawson Knox, Zach Ertz, David Njoku, Hunter Henry, Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, and Travis Kelsey. You couldn't say Okwagabunum? No, I, I don't couldn't. think that's no? pronounced. Yeah. I don't think so. Either. So because because Jack Doyle retired, a guy I would have on the list would either be Harrison Bryant or John Bates. John Bates is from Washington, one of the better blocking tight ends uh, last year as a rookie. So those are my honorable mentions. And teams that didn't have a tight end on this list, Saints with Adam Troutman, Giants, Ricky Seals-Jones, and Panthers, Tommy Tremble. Now, give me your thoughts on this list. So, first off, good job on making this list. Uh, of course, right. you put in the hard the hard work for oh, it. Good you know, job you, for putting oh, in the work. Absolutely. On the that's, that's, re- that's really about it as of right now. Um, I'll say this. Um, I think my boy Dustin Knox needs to be a little bit higher. I think he's in that top 10 conversation, especially after leading the league in touchdowns at the tight end position. Hunter Henry was a little high for my liking. I understand, yes, he was the number one tight end in that that Pats room, especially with Johnny Smith being there. He basically took over that number one spot and was seemingly Mac Jones's number one option. But I don't know. I, I feel like Hunter Henry has been hit or miss, whether it be with injury, whether it be his consistency on the field. Yes, he had a solid year, but I feel like I would rather the ceiling of Dawson Knox, especially with with, with Josh Allen over Hunter Henry. Um, Dallas Goddard at seven. Uh, not that I don't think that Dallas Goddard's a fine player. Uh, I feel like Dalton Schultz after last season and really the last couple of seasons with, with Dak Prescott, he's done a, a, a great job uh, being a receiving tight end. And now that he's probably going to become Dak Prescott's number two option in the passing game, I feel like he could, he could enter that conversation of the, the top six tight ends at least statistically. Uh, but other than that, I mean, once you get past 16, I really I really don't care too much, honestly. I'm Your boy Noah Fant seems way too low to me. You, Noah you Fant think at so? 20 with being the number 2-3 option with bad quarterback plays, putting up six to 700 yards but every year. It's going to continue. It's going it to continue where he's... But like Robert Tunyon's at 17. Yeah, because... Yeah, he had a big touchdown year. He only had around 500-something I'm yards. F- I'm fine with Tunyon being there. He's a, he's a decent blocker. He's a, a fine pass catcher. And Green Bay know. has no good red, red zone no. option. They don't, but 
I'm thinking you put Noah Fant on that Green Bay offense. With Aaron Rodgers, he putting up much better numbers than Robert Tanya. Well, that's the thing. The weird thing about how my lists are constructed is that I'm very selective about my uh, my ranking process. And the, the, the ranking process differs based on what I want to do and how I feel at the moment. So basically... This is not I was gonna say, yeah, that's, that's this nice. is not solely projection based. So this even though there are some that I do take that into account. That's why you've been so like on the fence. Like for, like, like for example, I'm confused with Noah Noah Fant, the players he's behind, he's behind a guy like Logan Thomas, who Logan Thomas last year was hurt. But he's in, a new Jordan Reed because but when he's on but the field. In twenty twenty, Logan Thomas was phenomenal. He had a lot of receptions and now Carson Wentz historically has thrown to tight ends a lot. You look at Philadelphia, well, Zach, Zach Ertz, Ertz, Dallas Goddard. You look at even Indianapolis, Jack Doyle had one of his better receiving seasons with Carson Wentz. It wasn't that many yards, and Moali Cox had a pretty good year. So I think he just loves targeting bigger tight ends, and I think Logan Thomas is that. Mm-hmm. Tyler Higby, Rams offense, you know, he's just one of those consistent guys. Robert Tunyon, borderline pro bowler. He should have been a pro bowler over Evan Ingram in 2020. Who would you have switched to? I, would have, I think if you just switched Fant and Tunyon's spot, then that, like, 17 to 32 range feels fine to me. I just feel like I'm not a big fan of Fant. Like, I know Fant was a highly rated prospect coming out, but I was never a big fan of Albert O. You have him at 14. He hasn't done anything in the league. Albert O, that's why. For me, for one, he is now playing with Russell Wilson. I think think Albert O has more of a chance to have a breakout here than a guy like Judy. And I know that's a hot take, but that's how much I love Albert O. Bro, do you know Albert O's career high in yards? He was tight end too. Uh, you yes, want to like give it to me? 350 or 330 yards, 350 all yards. I, all I'm going to say is because I was ready to Over be like, Judy's yeah, I'm going to support you. And then you say something just absolutely this is the thing. egregious. Al- Albert O. I was going to, I'm going to support you. He's a very fast tight end. You watch, it's just, year. you watch, you watch Broncos games. And there is not one time I watched Broncos games that I went, I think no offense better than Albert O. Uh, no that's that's strong. I think strong. I, no I've always better. watched that's it. Strong. And I've said Albert O is a much better guy. And I can't wait till they get Noah Fant out of here. That's strong because Noah Fant is very strong. He, He's he athletic as very, well too. Very good hands. Super athletic is is very well said. Alberto's main main strength is his speed. Yeah. He's super fast but for Noah the tight Fant end is position. Fast as hell too. He is. He's well, very, he Noah, is. Noah Fant. Well. Noah can't. I don't care. Oh my god. I don't. I'm not a big fan. Of uh, Noah Fant. Another thing I want to say is. The reason why I'm fine with Pat Fryermuth at at 15 is because the quarterback play is in question right now. You don't know what's going to go on. But last season, he was a great tight end option for 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 the Steelers and was a big part of them having success on offense, whether it be to Deontay Johnson or Pat Fryermuth, especially down in the end zone. Uh, I feel like 15, especially with either Mitch or or um, I'm blanking on his okay. name right now. Thank you very much, Kenny Pickett coming in being the quarterback. I feel like 15 is fine. But I would not be utterly shocked. Like guys like David Njoku, even Hunter Henry, I wouldn't be surprised. Njoku, I understand that he's an all-world block, but I feel like Njoku at eleven is is very generous. I also thought Njoku was too high. I mean, he's been in the league for five years. Yeah, so I'm gonna go over Tops right now. Five hundred yards one time. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over each one right now. Travis Kelsey, self-explanatory. Yes. Mark Andrews, self-explanatory. George Kittle, self-explanatory. Rob Gronkowski. You got some heat over this one. Yeah, I don't Gronk know why. Because in, in twelve game in, in twelve games, Rob Gronkowski put up eight hundred two yards, and he also had six touchdowns. While like, being an elite blocker, while while he's also all he's being, arguably still the best tight end blocker. While in the also game. having a one hundred thirteen point six passer rating when targeted. So Rob Gronkowski to me is 
not only still one of the better pass catchers, he's possibly the best blocking tight end in the NFL still. Uh, Kyle Pitts at five. I just project him to have a better year than Darren Waller. I think now that they added Devontae Adams and, and Hunter Renfro's there, uh, Darren Waller's going to, I think, to he's going to be the one that's going to have to take that backseat. You think him over Renfro? Yeah, I do. Uh, that's strong. I do. I feel like that... Those two on the outside are just going to open up the field for him significantly. So I'm I'm pretty still I'm pretty high well, on Waller. And still. Waller are both going to do their damage over the middle of the field. Definitely. Uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, but, but Waller could do it on the outside also. Okay. Yeah. You know your reasoning for Schultz or Goddard it's not terrible. I know that Schultz is going to be the number two option, but I think that Dallas now that they lost Amari Cooper are probably looking at this offense being much more balanced than it has in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Goddard to me I think is the better player, but. They just brought in A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith looks like a true number one. Love so him. because of that, Goddard might take a backseat, but he's also been taking a backseat to Zach Ertz yes. for the past couple of years and still putting up good numbers. I thought he had a better year. And Hertz is still going to look for him as that say. security blanket. You know, yeah, He's going to be the one creating mismatches Hertz as well. Hertz isn't a guy that stretches the field much either. So he Even does though in that. practice he's been, he's been having yeah. a lot of long completions, Devontae Smith and A.J. T.J. Hawkinson, just much more talented player, I think, than yeah. any other guy that's a – Behind him, like okay. Schultz, Dalton? Hunt, Henry. Fair. Yeah. Dalton Schultz, that's why he's that's top 10 for me. Schultz and Hawkinson are not. Like, yeah, no. Hawkinson, he was a first-round pick. He was touted to be one of the you know better tight ends we've seen in recent years, but he hasn't lived up to that first-round hype. And Hunter Henry, he's over Knox because he had more yards than Knox. He had the same amount of touchdowns as Knox. Uh, 119.6 passer rating uh, um, when targeted. And I think that Hunter Henry and the Patriots offense, they're going to start to incorporate these tight ends more. That's why I think that's why John o. Smith made this list for me. Because I'm fine with it. I know that John is still a stud. Yeah, he just I know. Utilized. I feel like Mac Jones this year, building up that chemistry with Hunter Henry last year, it's going to be a better year if he can stay healthy, because that's <laughs> the biggest concern with him still. Although he had a healthy year last year, he's still somebody that in the past has gotten hurt. But Hunter Henry before he got on this uh, trend of getting hurt, we were viewing him as a top six, seven tight end in the NFL. So Hunter Henry's there. Najoku, this is off the assumption that Deshaun Watson is playing. Uh, Zach Ertz is there because no D-hop for the first couple of weeks, although I have my concerns because Colin Murray's not the greatest at looking at the middle of the field. And but he ate with Zach Ertz when they played they together could, last season. Yeah, but he also missed Zach Ertz a lot. And I feel Did like, he? yeah, he missed Zach Ertz a lot. Dawson Knox. Are you just saying that? No, I'm not just saying that. The, the film shows it. I feel Dawson, like I watched a lot of games where Zach Ertz and him were really on the same page. But go ahead. Dawson Knox, to me, you're right. I think he's a stud, but I'm hoping on the Gabe Davis breakout. I think it's going to happen. It can. Listen, it's Josh Allen. He can make a lot and of I people frankly, And I, I frankly don't think like Dawson Knox has a significantly better year than last year. Like I think oh, no. Dawson Knox is one of those guys that he's going to remain significantly steady. better than last year. No, but he just led the league in touchdowns. Huge, I think that he's still going to be really yards. good. The, I would say the yardage is what uh, works. Oh no! Like, do you see no, Dawson Knox? But that's what I'm saying. The touchdowns can come down, but the yards he can be in that seven, eight hundred range. Do you see range. Dawson Knox going for eight hundred? He missed games last year still, and yeah, for sure. I think his touchdowns come down. I think he played what eleven games, fifteen. Like, 15. Okay, well, but do you I think see, I'm thinking of Waller. I apologize, but, but yeah. do you see Dawson Knox going for like eight hundred yards? He could. For me, I think he's around that five hundred, six hundred range yearly. That's, yearly, yeah, I feel like the touchdowns could be there because the he's one, a red zone. And threat. the one thing I'll say is he started to cook last season, where he had 120 something yards that one game against Tennessee. Then he got hurt, yeah, he injured, missed some yeah. times, and kind of ruined his momentum. Yeah, right but still was, was a touchdown. But yeah. he was still a touchdown throw regardless. I feel like so long as he stays on the field, maybe we'll see that yardage creep into that seven eight. Uh, Pat Freiermuth, I think you know I wouldn't. If you want to put him over Alberto, that's fine with me because he's more proven. Uh, Mike Gesicki, 
he's at 16 because he's frankly not a blocker. And he's, he's not, barely a tight end. He, he's not a tight end. He doesn't line up at tight end at all. I think he, he lined line it up, up at tight end. More, a lot more significantly than more than Gesicki. Really? It's actually, because I, I was looking at Pitts' numbers, it's damn near even out wide slot in line with Pitts. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Like Gisicki's, Mike Gesicki no, lines up at the like tight 90, end like 90, maybe 1% of the time. Yeah. So he's not, to me, he's not a blocker. He's a nice vertical threat. But all these guys that are over him, I think, are at least solid pass catchers and give you something in the in the run game where Mike Gesicki doesn't. Um, you know, I had to put two Jets in there, CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin. Evan Ingram, you could argue he's higher because I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a pretty good year. We're going to talk about that later on. Uh, Irv Smith Jr., I'm looking forward to that. Tyler Conklin was somebody we didn't really know about last year, and he had 500 yards with Kirk Cousins. So I think Irv Smith Jr., he's always been talented. It's just his injuries. Gerald Everett, I like him with Justin Herbert. And, you know, I had to get Brevin Jordan in here. I I think Brevin Jordan is a damn good tight end. I like Brevin Jordan a lot. Yeah. People, a couple people were mad you had Hayden Hurst at 32. Uh, I don't know. People get like getting upset over their 30th best tight end. No, Hayden but Hurst, I, but I understand. Should have never made it in my list. Nah, I disagree because we saw what uh, Joe Burrow was able to do with CJ Uzama. Now you have Hayden Hurst coming in there. Probably going to get some looks. Whether that's true or false, I They're just still the same think tier uh, guy. exactly. I feel like you're with Joe Burrow. The numbers are going are bound to go up. And Hayden Hurst is a fine. Exactly, and he's a good blocker as well. Very good blocker. The thing about it, like this, is the thing. Hayden Hurst is. Fine, like shouldn't have made your list. And who who would have made it over him? I think Harrison Bryant's better. That's strong. No, I do, I do. I, I think even a guy like John Bates is better. I disagree. Like, personally, Hayden John Bates, Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst is one of the worst blocking tight ends in the NFL. That's not true. He doesn't even block, all he does is dive and tries to chip. I understand. He doesn't, he doesn't block at all. His best season came in Atlanta when he had like 500 yards receiving with Matt Ryan. But I think he's a package linebacker. C.J. Uzama is a good blocker. He's a reliable pass catcher. Hayden Hurst, he has speed. That's really it. And he can take the top off the defense occasionally. This John but Bates for guy, me, he better be a top three blocker in the NFL. No, John Bates, no, he's actually like a top, he's rated top 14 in PFF. Okay, I mean, yeah. bro, he had 20 catches last year. No, I know, he... Um, he doesn't add nothing in the pass game much. I know. He's but just one of the better he has, blockers. He has to be an elite, elite blocker at that point. And even when he did that, I think he had like 200-something yards yeah, last 250 year. 250 yards. That's 12 and a half a reception. That's yeah. He, but I know. Fine. I, I understand what you're saying. But Decent. Hayden Hurst, to me, is one of those guys that is one, he's one of those names that we look at because I think in fantasy he does provide some value, at least. In, 20, really. in 2020, Hayden he's Hurst, to me, fantasy. provided ma- value. Did he? Yeah, he did. And 2020, sorry. he provided me value. <laughs> <laughs> I finished actually top three. Oh, but nice. he provided me value. But Hayden Hurst to me, and with the Ravens, he, he had flashes. But there's a reason why the Falcons chose to get Kyle Pitts and not Jamar Chase. Like, if they felt like the tight end position was solidified. Well, Kyle they Pitts is more than a tight end. I understand what you're saying. But if the Falcons felt like they had, let's say, they, let's say they had Noah Fant on the team, they were not going to go Kyle Pitts. They would have went Jamar Chase. Maybe, but I don't think any of these teams were looking at Kyle Pitts saying he's just a tight end if we already have a good to above six, average six, tight end. 6'6", six, 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 250. That's insane. I know, I know what you're four, saying, four. but what I'm saying is that if he was a good tight end, like a top 20 tight end, I think the Falcons go receiver and go with Chase rather than Pitts. Uh, but maybe. they picked Kyle Pitts because yeah. Hayden Hurst, he's 32. And I even said I wouldn't even put him really on my list. I'd put some other guys over him. I mean, but we already see Kyle Pitts is 
like even if you had Albert O, that's not stopping you from taking Kyle Pitts, and he's the 14th best tight end. Yeah, but that's Albert O's listing is projection based. Okay, even if you have Zach Ertz, so if you or have David and Joku, if you have Dawson Knox, I'm st- yeah, you're still t- over like, Jamar Chase though, because that's the pick that you took. Him over. I mean, yeah, Jamar like Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts talking about two of the most exciting young prospects we've ever seen. So if you're Atlanta, let's say let's say like right hypothetical, you have Dawson Knox and you have Calvin Ridley out there. Are you going Kyle Pitts and now having Ridley? Knox and Pitts, or you're going Ridley if I'm Chase the Falcons, and Knox. I'm taking Chase, dude, respectfully. Af- and that's no, no, yeah, after what Chase dude. just did, yeah, it's it's gonna be hard to argue not. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like if if Hayden Hurst was top twenty, I don't but think you, they you make that pick. Thirteenth. Well, I'm gonna be yeah. honest. They could add Mo Ali Co- uh, Cox, and I'm going Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase is just him. No, I, I well that eh, Jamar I Chase. We're talking about someone who had 1,413 yeah, touchdowns. I don't no, view Mo Ali Cox going is, into the draft. Jamar Chase not playing for. I was still high as hell on Jamar Chase, but not playing. I get it. No, I'm, I'm just saying. We're talking it. like in hindsight now, yes, right? Yeah. I'm saying I'm taking Jamar Chase. I don't view Mo Ali Cox as one of those guys that I'd pass up on a generation. Could have Brevin before. Jordan. Could have Gerald Everett. I'm literally naming everyone in the top, the bottom 25. Yeah. I'm taking. Jamar Chase. You want to give your top 10 tight ends? Dude, I actually would love to do that. I'm going to go from, from 10 to 1. I actually have an honorable mention. It's actually Mike Kosicki. I have him at number 11. I understand had what to, you're saying. Had to throw your dolphin in there. Of course, absolutely. I understand what you're saying about the blocking. 100% understandable, but as a receiving threat, he definitely is that. Um, number 10, I have TJ Hawkinson. Uh, number 9, I have Goddard. Uh, number 8, I have Schultz, which is why we had this discussion earlier. I feel like I just project Schultz to have a better year over Goddard, given the fact that I like Dak Prescott throwing the football a lot more than I like Jalen Hurts. Uh, number seven, I have Dawson Knox. Uh, I spoke a little bit about it before. I, I believe in Dawson Knox ceiling, especially with Josh Allen as his quarterback. He showed that they have a, an immediate connection, whether it be in the red zone, whether it be trying to get down the field. Dawson Knox is a touchdown machine, and I think that so long as he stays healthy, the yards would be there as well. Number six, number six, I have Rob Gronkowski, and he's not higher on my list because I don't know if he's going to play. Uh, and it, there's always that injury concern where he did miss some time last season. However, when he's on the field, you could debate that he's a, a top three tight end, honestly. He, he's arguably the best tight end blocker in the league. In my opinion, he is the best blocking tight end just over Kittle. Uh, and receiving-wise, when you have Tom Brady throwing the football and you're as sure with your hands as Rob Gronkowski, there's going to be success. Uh, now, number five, I have Darren Waller. I'm not looking too much into last season into either over-analyzing it and saying that Waller's going to be a bum, or I'm just keeping consistent. I'm saying the fact that Darren Waller, prior to last season, was a 1,000-yard tight end, back-to-back seasons, was one of the league leader at the tight end position in receptions, I'm not going to look at last season and completely just throw his name under the, under the bus. I think Waller's going to have a fine season, especially now that Devontae Adams is going to be there. It's going to alleviate some pressure off of him, and Waller is going to be successful. Number four, I have Kyle Pitts. Uh, and, and Joel, I'm not going to front. You definitely had some influence on this. Kyle Pitts. You have coming, Yeah, I have him number four. Uh, coming into to his rookie season to have over 1,000 yards, to be as versatile as he is at the tight end position, you got to give him credit where credit is due. I do have my concerns with Mariota being his quarterback now. However, I feel like Pitts is being the only option there. He's going to be force-fed, and he has the talent. He has the athletic ability to be successful. Number three, I have George Kittle. Uh, George Kittle is amazing, and it's very good. he is number two for me, blocking tight end. When Gronk's on the field, he's easily the best tight end blocker in the NFL, um, and he has 
unbelievable hands. Does It seems as if he's doing something acrobatic every single time that he's on the field. His impact is bigger than just his play on the field, his leadership. He is just an amazing ball player all around. But I can't put over, put him over guys like Mark Andrews or, or Travis Kelsey. Yeah. I have Andrews at number two and Kelsey at number one. And every part of me wanted to, to find a way to put Mark Andrews number one. Mark Andrews is... Everything you can want in a tight end, truthfully, is is a solid blocker, is great uh, running routes, great with his hands, fast. He can do absolutely everything. Strong dude. But Travis Kelsey has just been a model of consistency year in, year out. He's always among the league leaders in receiving yards at the tight end position and including wide receivers as well. Travis Kelsey, especially with Patrick Mahomes, is just a force to be reckoned with, and you just have to give him that credit. My number 10 is Dawson Knox. It was Similar wow, to you, yo, number I ten was Dawson Knox, but I had Gasicki. There's a couple guys for number ten. I feel like the top nine is a lot more solidified. Eleven Gasicki, eleven Gasicki. Okay. Yeah, my number nine is T.J. Hawkinson. We spoke about it before. He was a former first round pick. He got a lot of hype coming out of college, and I think I think he's underperformed up to this point. His best season, sixty seven, seven hundred twenty three yards, six touchdowns. This past year, Amon Ra came in as a rookie, had nine hundred yards. Amon Ra's um, him though. Amon Ra's a, he's a good player, he's but we're also good. we're expecting T.J. Hawkinson as that first round pick to Don't be disagree. the you know be the alpha there he hasn't been able to do that yet number eight is Dalton Schultz eight and seven are very close to me uh Dalton Schultz last year first uh time starting with Dak he was a starter last year when uh Blake Jarwin went out but obviously Dak wasn't there 800 yards eight touchdowns and I think he'll have even more targets this year obviously with Amari being gone Cedric Wilson Michael Gallup being hurt wouldn't shock me if he broke a thousand yards uh this upcoming season seven Dallas Goddard um, it might be a bit harder for him to have the amount of yardage he had this past season, had 830 yards, but getting A.J. Brown in there, Devontae Smith in year two, I'm not sure if he's going to have the the stats to back it up, but in terms of just talent at the tight end position, Goddard is one of the best. Six, I have Gronk. He's dealt with injuries this past season and really throughout his whole career, as we know, but he averaged 67 yards per season, the only tight end to average more, or 67 yards per game last season. The only tight end to average more was Travis Kelsey, one of the elite blockers, great in the red zone, great over the middle of the field still. Number five, Darren Waller. You know, going into last season, you could have made the argument he was the second best tight end. Missed some time last year, and he really wasn't phenomenal even when he played. That week one game against the Ravens sticks out because I drafted him in fantasy, and I he had 17 targets, I want to say, week one. 19. 19 targets week one, had over 100 yards, but then only had one game over 100 yards after that. So when he Tragic, was, honestly. It, it is. Tragic. So when he was on the field, he wasn't great. But, you know, Darren Waller has all the talent. Be interesting to see. Is it Renfro or is it Waller who takes that step back? I do think it will be Renfro just because I think Waller's a, a more talented Agreed. player. Hardly. Number four, George Kittle. Might be the most explosive tight end in the NFL. He's he's a beast blocking, great over the field. I see, I see Drew Grady clap someone else at number three. <laughs> 71 receptions for 900 yards, still spectacular. Number three for me is Kyle Pitts. I know that might be a hot take to a lot of people. And we had this debate months ago when, what was it? Uh, Jamar, Waddle, Jamar, Waddle. This is, is this projected projection-based like stats? This is everything, what he did last year and what I think he's going to do in the future. Okay, like future as in two, three years or just this season? This year? Yeah, next year for 2022. Okay, 2022 yeah. season. Okay. Um, with Marcus Mariota. With Marcus Mariota, and I get that. People are scared. When Marcus Mariota was Tennessee, Delaney Walker was elite. He was phenomenal. Delaney, Delaney Walker, Walker was nice, though. I know, but so was Kyle Pitts. Oh, for sure. So was Kyle for Pitts. Sure. I'm just saying that Delaney's not a bum. No, but in 2015, Delaney Walker put up 94 receptions, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns. That's the season insane. after that, he had two seasons after that with Mariota, over 65 catches, over 800 yards. Kyle Pitts, I know it's crazy to put him over George Kittle and Darren Waller and even Gronk right now, but I think this time next year, it's not going to be a hot take. He's only 21 years old, just had the second best tight end rookie season of all time, only behind Mike Dicka, who had more yards in just 14 games and an hour where they really weren't throwing the football. Last year, 68 catches, 1,026 yards, only had one touchdown because Matt Ryan's his quarterback. And you know what's funny about that? Wow. 
He calls that's fake true though. He calls Matt Ryan. He calls Lamar Jackson no arm Lamar. Lamar Jackson had the third highest A dot. You know where Matt Ryan was? Don't tell me bottom twenty. He was the sixth lowest. Really? Wait, I really don't. I don't understand what you're saying because because you call Lamar I, I no arm said, Lamar. That means he doesn't have an arm. Didn't I just say last episode he had his best passing season? He did say that. But you, you did also call him no Lamar. Lamar. I said you could take it no, back, and you did not take it back. Uh, no it's Lamar's a, it's, a, it's a funny nickname. But, it's rude. But but, but it's, hold, hold, hold. it's me. No, 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 come on. Make my day. I, make am, my day. I am just kind of make my day. shocked. I'm not done with my that Kyle you use though. I know, but I just think I'm 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 shocked that you use Matt Ryan as a reason to prop up Mariota. Well, he's gonna have more than one touchdown. You want to make that bet, Kyle Pitts over under one touchdown? Oh, I understand. Will that. he his whole career? I'm just saying. I don't know why it happens. You think it you, does but happen. you, but you, you think that Matt Ryan had nothing to do with why he had a thousand yards as a rookie? Oh no, of course. Matt and Ryan, why Matt Cordell Patterson just had his best year of his entire career? Uh, Cordell that Patterson has to do I, with Arthur Smith. A, that right? has to do with yeah. It's a combination, but it's Matt Ryan. At the end of the day, he's a great quarterback. He's the fifteenth best quarterback in the league. That's a yeah. There's a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. He's a he's, he's one good. of those he's one of he's those good. great it just, quarterbacks. It was a funny stat when I was looking up some Kyle Pitts numbers. I was like, wow, Matt Ryan had the sixth lowest A dot. I was like, I wonder who's the top three. Oh, Lamar Jackson has the third highest A dot. Yeah. No arm Lamar. Who would have thought that? Um, on 107 targets last year, Kyle Pitts only three drops, averaged 15.1 yards per catch, the highest among all tight ends and top 12 in the NFL. And one quote that I found, Roddy White was actually talking about it, like maybe a couple weeks ago a month ago oh, yeah. um roddy white said i play with tony gonzalez who i consider the best i never play football but this guy being kyle pitts has more as everything tony has and more I'm not calling him tony gonzalez yet but i think he's gonna put up a great statistical season very excited about kyle pitts's future number two mark andrews number one george uh well, george uh travis kelsey i'm trying to see where you find this a dot thing because uh, i want to see who's in the bottom with matt ryan and who's at the top because i guarantee at the there top, are some at the top, uh, Drew Locke, we didn't really play the whole year. Oh, Russell yeah. Wilson, Justin Fields, Lamar, Hurts, oh. Baker, Stafford, Jameis, Josh Allen, Kirk, so that Carr, so that, Joe Burrow. So that's telling me Hurts is better than Matt Ryan then. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm, we're just looking at who throws the ball down the field because Lamar is no arm Lamar to you. So yeah. that means he can't throw the ball down the field. Well, we're There's on no Matt Ryan right now, though. Matt Ryan at the bottom. So I don't. The Falcons weren't able to throw the ball down the field. They had one of the worst offensive lines. They had one. They had one of the best downfield targets in Kyle Pitts. Fifty four. They, they don't have no time. No. I'm gonna have to def- listen. That's so rich. Because listen, I see yeah, the same. Yeah, Tua. Yeah, I know. It's, it's funny. It's, you're talking about a dot. Which is why I want to defend Ryan, him. Which is why Matt I'm Ryan defending. Matt Ryan didn't that. have the opportunity to it's throw true. the ball down the field. So this is the that. bottom like fourteen. I've never so, seen guys. somebody use Matt Ryan to. To prop up Mariota, you talked there. about Matt Ryan in, in a bad way. I just threw it in there. You're the one who pointed out the bottom. Like so, you are. You, so you are. You are. You are. You think that Kyle Pitts is going to have a better year with Marcus Mariota than he did with Matt Ryan? I think he could easily put up a thousand yards again. He's Drake. That the only other I think he'll have more London. touchdowns, but he I don't will. know if he'll have the same amount of yards. How about this? Gabe Davis, Kyle Pitts. I'll take Kyle on, Pitts. Bro. You take Gabe Davis. I'm not every episode. We don't have to mention Gabe Davis. No, I want to, bro. He's your guy <laughs> going into next season. We don't have to mention him every every single episode. Why does uh, every do, single bet do have to involve Gabe Davis? Do you not want to take the bet? You could win a lot of money, bro. Or Dude, whatever. For real. We're gonna Gabe do. Davis is him. I, like, I'll take the bet that Kyle Pitts doesn't have the same amount of yardage. I think he has less. What do you have? What do you have? Ten seventy three, twenty six. I'll take that. I'll take that because they have Drake London now too. I, I want to take Kyle Pitts for his Gabe Davis yards. I don't want to involve Gabe Davis in his bet. Terrified. You said that Gabe Davis could have 1,200 yards, yeah. bro. No way I'm Kyle not Pitts going to involve Gabe Davis in every bet I make with you. Are you not comfortable with just taking a Kyle Pitts straight-up bet? I'll take over 1,000 yards. No. 
1,026, no, whatever. More with, because you just used... You just use Matt Ryan in dude, a negative light dude, to proper Mariota. What's 26 yards? You know what I mean? Like, he's saying over 1,000. We I did like over under 1,000 for Gabe Davis. Let's do over under 1,000 for Kyle Pitts. No, because maybe I, I think Kyle Pitts can maybe get 1,000. Yeah, okay, I like, I think Kyle Pitts um, is elite. Do you want to hear these bottom guys in ADOT? Sure. Uh, you asked for it. If you don't want it, I don't have to no, say it. No, you can say okay, it. Okay, cool, You're cool. Fine with this, me. Is the bottom, <laughs> <laughs> this is the bottom like 12 or so, guys. We have Jimmy G, Tannehill, Mahomes, Davis Mills, Darnold, Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, Tua, Ben. Andy Dolan, Jared Goff. Damn, so you named me about like, well, you named Mahomes. I I named Mahomes and (laughs) terrible quarterbacks. Ryan Tannehill's not terrible. Tannehill's not terrible. Tannehill is solid, but there's Ben Roethlisberger's, there's Sam Darnold's, Daniel Jones. It does average average depth target, correct? Yeah, I mean, Tannehill was put in a situation where he had to to get the ball out quickly. He has a 30. uh, Ryan Tannehill had the 31st worst offensive uh, pass block. Correct. They were horrible. Uh, Tua, same thing. Uh, Mahomes, I'm shocked about, but yes, they had to change their scheme their a little bit. Their offense was different. Yeah. Uh, who else did you name on there? Uh, uh, ben, obviously. Mac Jones was there yeah. as well. Mac it's Jones crazy how Jimmy Matt G. Ryan. Oh, it's crazy how Matt Ryan has nothing around him and he gets penalized for it. No, but look, we don't have to take the bet if you don't want to, bro. What? What's the dude? This, it's 26 1, yards. 1,026. Yeah, I said under what he. Well, you he won't get the same amount of yards. Change my bet because I wanted Gabe Davis versus Kyle Pitts. So now you have to you have to work with me. I, no, I just want to do the straight Kyle Pitts bet. I'll Why take, did we have I'll to? Ra- that. Where that did Gabe no, Davis saying, come from? Because I'm, no, I'm the one who listen, said let's, be, do, let's I, do Kyle Pitts versus Gabe Davis yards. Can I be Why mediator right now? Listen, Kyle Pitts over under a thousand yards. I'll give you a thousand one yards. Does that make you feel better? No, I just want to take the just. It's a simple thing though. Like it was a very simple thing. Kyle Pitts versus Gabe Davis receiving yards. But I don't. Terrified. Where did Gabe Davis come from? Though? Dude, I mean, just because he's your. Is know. he not your? guy? I haven't bro? even talked. I didn't even say his name once. I didn't hear him. He's, but he's your guy. That's why he's my I guy. Think, but bro, we already have time, a Gabe Davis. Every time, every time I see you, I just think Gabriel Davis. Now it's impossible not but to we, look at you. We already have Gabe a Gabe Davis. Say that bet. Gabe Davis was gonna go for twelve hundred. I had the possibility too. I should say. Look, there is a possibility for that. There's a world where a lot of things. So then, I mean, you're saying that you're saying that Pitts won't have a thousand twenty six. Look, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you. Something right now. I understand this bet that he's trying to make. Is I know all I'm what saying. he's saying, but I don't want to involve Gabe Davis and everything. I don't. I don't think that. So you're uh, not trying to put all your chips into Gabriel Davis's basket. It's not that I'm trying to put all my chips in it. It's just that I don't think it's necessary for when we're talking about Kyle Pitts because this turned into this. This was a Matt Ryan versus Marcus <laughs> Mariota thing, and now you just. <laughs> Through Gabe Davis into, into because left. ultimately I just it was, wanted to see where your head was at, supposed bro. to be pits. No, it wasn't supposed to be Matt Ryan versus Mariota. If I don't ask, I will never know the We're answer. We're talking about tight ends here, bro. No, no, yes, we and he used Matt Ryan in a negative light to prop up Mariota. I'll be honest, because you said Matt Ryan. This this had nothing to do with Matt Ryan. You I said Kyle just, Pitts is going to definitely just, have more touchdowns. Well, I think, I and you will. said that he in a negative one, way towards Matt Ryan. I mean, Julio has only had double digit touchdowns once in his career. I know, in twenty twelve. But, but what I'm saying is that it's a decade ago. Is just take the deal. You know, I'll take over. Is he gonna, is he gonna have more yards? Sure, I'll than take he over a thousand twenty six. Are you happy, bro? <laughs> yes. I'll take over a thousand twenty six. Okay, this I'm not year, gonna lie, bro. It's twenty six yards. It really is not a difference. That, that's a that's a big difference. Is it? Yes, it is, bro. It's gonna be a force feed in the Kyle Pitts. You understand? Not that? Drake Linden is there. I mean, Kyle Pitts is proof. Jeromino Allison. <laughs> Kyle Pitts. Is Their proven. receiving core is much better this year. Oh, for sure. But so, at the same Drake time, Lennon. that's it. But they also have much more depth at the position. They lost Russell. They Gage. lost. Russell, they lost. Yeah. Cal- I mean, Cal- I, really know, I know they lost Russell Gage, but you Russell brought Gage in is significantly better than Geronimo Allison. I'm is. not saying he's not. I know and he is. Tate. I know he's better than him. 
but they brought in guys like Brian Edwards, like Jerome Wallace. They have more bro. depth at the position. You're, you're talking about wide receiver fives and special teams. Guys. Well, isn't that what you used to say the Broncos were top five? KJ Hamler that and Jerome Wallace. Does that not matter now? KJ Hamler would be a wide receiver sentence. two on the on the Falcons. He, he literally would be the wide receiver two. But I'm saying the Falcons last year, you got to the you got to the third Falcons receiver, Game and you said over. who's that? This year, you get to you like get to the fifth one. And you're like. You get to Jerron Wallace and Brian Edwards. Brother you mid. know who they are, though. Barely. We but, do, we do we but know, the casual exactly, fan does not bro. know Jerron Wallace. But you, I promise you, 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 you I know them go... more than Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus could be the wide receiver, too. Listen, my dad knows football. I promise you he doesn't know who Jerron Wallace is. This is what Emmanuel Sanders said about Gabe Davis last year. I mean, actually, this past offseason. He just said it recently. I feel like he's going to have a breakout year. He's a Pro Bowl caliber player. I've been around a lot of good receivers. Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas, Michael so Thomas. This guy is Different. So then, and he's the going to be a different Rodney White said the same them. thing about Kyle Pitts that he has everything Tony Gonzalez has and more. I believe him. Why don't you believe Manuel Sanders though? I, I am because I'm 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 propping Gabe Davis up to Kyle Pitts, which what is I'm nuts. Doing right now. Which is nuts. So you're doing that right now, but you're doing that to troll me though. I'm. I you legit? Do you think there's a chance Gabe Davis has more yards than Kyle Pitts? You just said that. It's he, impossible. I mean, you. We have, Gabe we already, Davis this is the thing, bro. Is, this is already the thing. Gabe Davis he has is over that a thousand. Man. He already has. He has over a thousand for Gabe Davis and under a thousand for Kyle Pitts. Which means you should just take the Kyle Pitts for his Gabe uh, that's Davis. That's exactly what up. I was saying. Mm. Which is exactly it's what cool. I was we saying. We don't. We don't have to. I don't want to force you into doing anything you're not comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be Deshaun Watson. So. Oh, Jesus. oh my Lord, have mercy. Too soon. Uh, thoughts on the Aaron Donald record-setting contract? Now, my question for you guys. We came into this show with this topic, but Cooper Cup just got paid three years, $80 million, $26.6 million a year. Aaron Donald got paid three years, $95 million. Now, the Rams have three players set to make $25 million per year on their current contract. That's the most such players in the NFL. The Browns and the Raiders are the only other teams with two such players, and 12 teams have zero such players. Atlanta, Baltimore, Carolina, Chicago, Cincinnati, Houston, Jacksonville, New England, New Orleans, New York Giants, the New York Jets, and Seattle. Are the Rams proving right now that the cap space doesn't exist? It feels okay. like they, they're the latest example that cap space is just a myth. They're giving everybody a big-time deal. I feel like the Saints were the first ones to really expose the fact that cap is really a myth however you look at the rams and the fact that they're able to sign all these guys to ridiculously high contracts of course you're gonna if you're a regular fan and looking at aaron donald getting 35 million you have cooper cup getting 25 million a season Stafford, uh, stafford's gonna have over exactly jalen ramsey's the highest second highest paid corner in the nfl you're gonna look at this team and you're gonna automatically think how is it possible that they could afford all these superstars it gets to a point where these guys are so smart in the front office. They know how to manipulate contracts. They know how to to deal with giving signing bonuses where it doesn't necessarily go all towards the cap. 100%. It's looking like what's the point of a cap? If you're gonna be, if you're gonna enforce a a salary cap, actually make it a thing where teams cannot afford to sign players. The fact that they were able to go out and get Allen Robinson also as well to to add to this team that's already putting expenses into so many different avenues. Yes, it's it's very uh, peculiar that they're able to afford uh, this many contracts on under one team. Uh, but to speak about Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, 100%, I'm happy for these guys. Cooper Cup put up the greatest wide receiver season we'll ever see in our lifetimes, truthfully. To, to lead the league in all three categories, receptions, yards, touchdowns, to go into the to the playoffs and be dominant 
basically every single game, going to the Super Bowl, be, be the Super Bowl MVP. He, he deserved more than $25 million, but he understands that he had to take a little bit. He said it. Listen, I'm just here to ball. I want to win first. I don't need the contract. If it's there, I'll be happy to sign it, but I don't necessarily need it. Him taking 25 was a favor to the Rams. He could have asked for more if he wanted to. Uh, Aaron Donald, he needed to be the tiest uh, non-quarterback in the NFL. This is arguably the best defensive player in the history of the game. Eight-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champion, Hall of Fame, All-2010s team, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. This guy has accomplished everything that there is to accomplish in the National Football League at the defensive tackle position. He's deserving of all this money. And if he wanted, if he wanted forty million, he he deserves forty million. He really deserved anything that he wanted, but it was long overdue. This guy deserved to be the highest paid non quarterback in the league, and it's about time. Yeah, dude's a beast. Um, in terms of like the whole cap situation or salary cap doesn't isn't real. Um, I feel like the issue or the reason the Rams to get by it is for the current year, you obviously have to be you know below the salary cap. Right, you have to have some sort of money, whatever it could be, as little as like five hundred thousand dollars if you want to sign a vet minimum contract. But you can go over the cap for future years, which is what the Rams are probably planning on doing. They still are projected to have money next season. But if you look at a team like the Packers, they have a projected eight million cap space this year. Next year, they're projected to be fourteen million dollars over, which is why they're able to give out all of these contracts because they're be they're able to convert the salary to signing bonus yep. or whatever it might be this season to free up the cap space and push it down the road. You can, basically keep pushing down the road, which is how the Saints were, what, $90 million over this season? Because year after year when they had those Drew Brees years and the Michael Thomas contract and all of these studs where they were constantly paying, they were just pushing it down the road. And that's the reason why I think a lot of people get confused where the salary cap isn't fake, especially in the NFL where there's it's a hard cap, right? It's not like the NBA where you have, you could be, there's a salary cap, it's a soft cap. You could be over the cap because of bird rights, right? If you have a player on your team for X amount of years, you could go over the salary cap to retain that player. You can't do that in the NFL. If you have $0, you can't go out and re-sign Patrick Mahomes just because he's been on your team for three or four years. You have to free up money by signing bonuses, trading players, whatever it might be. So the whole salary cap situation, that's why people get confused just because you're able to push it down the road and do things that you really don't do in other sports. In terms of Aaron Donald, I mean, he deserves every penny. We talked about last year or last episode. He's the best defensive player of our lifetime. I compared him to Demarcus Lawrence. Remember that? No, uh, Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> um, you know, Aaron Donald deserved every penny. I really do think the Rams need him to go on this Super Bowl. You know, want to go on and repeat mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl. While he doesn't touch the ball every play, like Matt Stafford, he's probably the second most important player on this team. You still need him because you need to get to that absolute peak of the peak to get to the Super Bowl. You have to stay healthy. You have to have the best players on your team. Aaron Donald, the best player on this Rams team, the best player I've seen in my lifetime. He's really the only position in the entire NFL where it's no debate, right? I know Cam Hayward came out and said it's Aaron Donald and Cam Hayward than everyone else. No disrespect Cap. to Cam Hayward. Cap. Aaron Donald's in a tier of his own. We can make the argument Josh Allen, Mahomes, is it is it Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson? Like almost through every position in the NFL. Aaron Donald's the one guy, the one position where it's just him. There's nobody in his own tier. You're looking at me funny. Jalen? Jim. That's fair. Yeah, Jalen's probably the clear cut number one. But the I agree. The, nah, I'll take I would Jaylen. say the gap between Cam Hayward and Aaron oh Donald is a lot larger than Jalen and Jair. And I'm nitpicking also. I'm trying to think. But exactly. But you look you go through the rest, it's like you can make an argument for just about every position. Maybe TJ Watt, but Miles Garrett's right there. This going up this passing is TJ. And really reaching left tackle. I'm taking Trent, Trent Williams you are. every single person. You are. But 100%, it's Aaron Donald. And there's a, a huge gap. A ton of notches. Huge gap. Chris Jones, Cam Hayward. I'm fine with either one. Quentin Williams, facts. PFF Joel. Nice job explaining like that. that. Yeah, I like that explanation a lot. Jeffrey Simmons is another one. He is really good. I love, I love me some Jeffrey Simmons. 
Uh, Aaron Donald, first non-quarterback to now eclipse thirty million dollars a season. You know, big testament to him and his hard work. Didn't Tyreek get thirty? I think he might have got twenty nine. I'm not sure. It's one of those. But in my notes and what I got from was like from ESPN directly was that he's the first non-quarterback to eclipse thirty million per season. But Sean McVay thought this was going to happen. Aaron Donald attended his wedding this past Saturday, and they thought negotiations were in a good place. He's getting $65 million guaranteed for the first two seasons. He can retire or return in the 2024 season. He has that option, and his contract includes a no-trade clause. So it's not like the Rams are going to think about trading him anyway, but he just has that added sense of security. Aaron Donald, he's one of three defensive players since 1970, to earn a Pro Bowl selection in each of their first eight NFL seasons. He joins Lawrence Taylor and Derek Thomas. Taylor had 10. Thomas had nine. Donald has eight. Three-time defensive player of the year. He sealed the Super Bowl versus the Bengals when he sacked Joe Burrow. But now Joe Burrow has an improved offensive line, so you better make sure that 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 same thing happens. He's going to be able to get that to Jamar Chase. No one's stopping Aaron Donald. Tyreek has 30 fly. Aaron Donald's at 31. Okay, These so quarterbacks get paid so, so much, So maybe bro. eclipsing 30, 30 plus million. It might be Tyreek gets 30 next year because he got an extension. It's yeah, the so, average annual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this past year, was the best thing about Aaron Donald was that this past year, regular season, including playoffs, he had 16 sacks. He's by far the most double-team player in the NFL. It's not even close. You look at the charts, and, and, it's, and it goes by double teams. Aaron Donald is in a tier of his own. And it's not even really double teams. It's like triple teams. Yeah. It's anything to stop this guy from wreaking havoc because he's just that good. He has six seasons with at least 10 sacks, the second most by a primary inserted defensive lineman um, since sacks became a thing in 1982, trailing only John Rando. So Aaron Donald is in a league of his own. When talking about Cooper Cup, I think his story's been amazing. A zero-star recruit to now being paid – 25 million plus dollars in the NFL. Like Cooper Cup didn't come into the NFL as an elite wide receiver. He's been steadily developing every year. And now I don't think anybody expected this type of season from Cooper Cup where he's he's now he holds the single best receiving season in NFL history. I think this was a great thing for the Rams to get done. And although you talk about the restructures, the contracts, the signing bonuses. The Saints have been pushing that back for years on end now, and it hasn't caught up with them yet. The Rams are going to be able to, t- to do the same thing. And while the cap is definitely there and it's real, there are so many ways to get around that, to for keep sure. your players. It's ju- It just really depends on the type of owner that you have. Is your owner willing to once pay to now pay that credit card bill once it's due? And some owners want to win badly. The Rams are showing that right now. Some other owners don't want to, and they don't sign these great players to extensions, and they let them walk, and they let them test for agency, or they trade them because of that reason. But I think the Rams are just showcasing that they want to win another one. They're going to have one of the better chances this year in the NFL. And I don't care as much as people say it, even though Cap may be real, Today was a bad day for everybody that's a cap oh is real enthusiast. For sure. Because to now have three players on the team making $25 million plus, and that's Matthew Stafford making $40 million. What's Jalen making? 22 
he's probably making close to that. But yeah. you got Stafford making forty million, Donald thirty million, Cooper Cup twenty six million. You're now looking at ninety million between three players only. And we're talking about a for fifteen. Yeah, Bobby. And we're talking about a team sport that features fifty two people on a roster, yeah. fifty to fifty two to fifty five. So they're definitely showing that there's so many ways to get around yeah. the cap. And Jalen's at twenty flat. Which is insane. So, and I know you threw in that smile because sure. the Broncos now have the richest owner in the NFL. God right? bless him. God bless. Listen, Walton coming in to to be the new owner of the Denver Broncos brings a smile to my face because now I have the richest owner in the NFL, which are, is by far. Significantly. Are, is are do all Walmarts are now are do all Walmarts now have like a mandate that they have to sell Broncos gear? Um listen, I, I would hope that that would be the case given the fact that um he is now the owner of Denver Broncos. Now I'm going to be going to to Walmart hopefully to get a couple steals, maybe get some nice Bronco gear. Not, I mean, I already have some nice Bronco gear, but it's always nice to add to the collection. But you mentioned it with the Rams owners that are willing to to pay that credit card bill have the richest owner now in the game. This guy's going to be more than willing to to go over the cap and continue to to push back and push back, especially now that Russell Wilson's at the helm, which is probably we spoke about it a little bit before we got here. Probably the reason why the the value of the franchise was increased he, tremendously. He, he must have like if you have Drew Locke, like it's probably not a huge difference, but like Russ has to be like maybe it's four billion instead of four point five billion. Like you know, you win a Super Bowl, that value your valuation of the team goes way up. And so for for Rob to come in and, and take over this this organization. It is very exciting to me as a fan of the Denver Broncos because I already see the foundation that we have, and it's already You've a great. Had the it's one hundred percent. But now you bring in Russ, you bring in a new head coach. Now we have uh, the GM and George Patton, uh, Nathaniel Hackinson at the head coach. Excuse me. Uh, and now we have new owner that's the richest owner in in the game. Of course, I'm going to be thinking that we're going to go in and sign players and, and not think about contracts. See the richest in American sports because no, I know I think it's still your boy Stephen Co- Cohen. Cohen's like fourteen billion, bro. He, then he might be because I think he's what forty billion. Yeah, he's 70? forty. Is it forty? I'm pretty sure Steve Cohen is like fourteen billion. And Peyton Manning actually might be a, uh, a minority owner as that. well, which gets me going. Steve Cohen, twelve billion. So yeah, I mean he shits on Steve Cohen. Like, I mean, he, and we saw the Panthers get sold for what two point five something that. like that, and just four or five years ago, yeah. I and think the, one yeah, of even the, if it we're a historic franchise, also you are. Even if it wasn't solely the Russell Wilson thing, you're right. Like. The Broncos are historic franchise that have a lot of rich history. They have won in almost every era outside of the 2000s. 2010s, though, you win one with Peyton Manning. You've been there two times. 1990s, you won with John Elway. We won in 98, and he went into the sunset. Yeah, so the Broncos have won championships. So that's a storied franchise um, in itself. And I was listening to uh, PFF's podcast a couple weeks ago. I forgot who was on the show, but... Uh, no, it wasn't me. Um, I forgot who. It might have been uh, Rick Spielman. I'm not sure, though. Rick but Spielman has a nice TikTok. He, he does. You watch I his TikTok? Yeah, he has a great TikTok. Um, I don't think it was him, though. But regardless, they were talking just about like different owners and how like <laughs> how like the contracts differ, even though all of these guys are worth billions of dollars. And one thing I didn't know, when you sign these guaranteed contracts, like, for example, Deshaun got $230 million guaranteed, the money is basically held in escrow. So like those when you're giving out these huge contracts... These owners have to put that two hundred million and put it in escrow right away, which is why we see some owners aren't willing to give out those guaranteed contracts. Because if you give out a four year, hundred million dollar contract with twenty five million guaranteed, you're basically saying, "All right, I'm giving you one year's worth of money, the seventy five million for the next three years. We'll give it to you when the time comes." But when you have these rich owners, like if you're worth forty billion, giving out a contract that's worth two hundred, was it sixty? Sixty billion. God damn. 
when you when you're willing to give out contracts with all these guaranteed money, hundreds of millions of dollars, it's a lot easier for owners who are worth this amount of money. Yeah, that, that's why the Broncos like this year is not going to be their year. But now that they have their owner that's why? willing to spend more, what are the Broncos? I think in years, in, in, in future years, the only thing it. I'm worried about the Broncos is outside of Russ, I don't know where the where they're elite at. Rushing, that, that's why rushing the ball. Talking. We're an elite rushing offense for sure. We're one of the best rush offenses last season. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I just feel like they're. I still think there are four or five teams in the AFC better than you. But again, what are we missing? Only thing that you're I can missing come star in, power. linebacker. No. That's the that's the only area of concern. Well, yes, Javante Melvin Gordon's a great duo. Russ, obviously amazing. But I wouldn't call Javante a superstar. I know, but I know Javante is a superstar in the making. I don't know. Jerry Judy's a superstar in the making. I've actually come around. I I think Javante's really good, but he looks like that running back that might be one of those. He's not a workhorse. I'm so happy you're saying this. He's not a workhorse. He's more of a yeah. complimentary I'm back. with you, bro. Yeah, definitely. You think, you think that with Melvin Gordon in that backfield, they're not going to split carry somewhat? Of course they're going to, but at the same time, I understand that Javante's significantly better. He's better, but significantly. He's, he's probably better in spurts. Like I think he tires I mean, out. So we saw the since one college, game. Since college, he's always been in a just committee. Just to debunk you really fast, the one game that he was the main workhorse, he had... The best game of the season by far. Well, that's and was one able game. to do De'arnest it. And Johnson had that. He was too. able to do it both in the pass and the run. But even on top of that, if you want to say that, Dearness Johnson, but we saw a whole season of Javante Williams be a freak of nature. Regardless yeah, but of I'm saying I don't know if I'm, there's going to be a season where Javante cracks over like 300 something carries. I mean, it could be next season if Melvin's not on the team. Yeah, he had 209. Melvin's going to be on the team, though. Melvin resigned. I'm, no, I'm saying next oh, 24 season. Yes. Or 23. Okay. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. How long did he. Didn't Melvin resign for a while, though? It was yeah, one year. I think it was a one year. One, one year, like five mil. Oh, when he good. first came to the Broncos, it was a two-year 14. Javante's always played in a committee, though. In, in college, another, it was with Mike Carter. He had another, yeah, he had another running, uh, NFL-caliber guy with him, too. Yeah, but still. He was a lot better you know, than Mike Carter. Not a lot better. I, I mean, Javante was taking the top of the second. Mike Carter was taking the top of the fourth. He was Mike Carter pretty, has there the was size issues. Se- he was the was second, second pick in the second round. Yeah, I believe like same side we took Brees. We traded up to get him. Yeah, I, I just Thank look. I, I don't think the Broncos have much star power outside of Russ and Justin Simmons and Pat Sertan, I think. So you know, three three it. players. Um, but then, you have to have And Jerry leader. Judy. But you have to have a leader of the elite. Not necessarily. It, like The Bills have the leader of the elite at almost every single position. I think you're just missing an elite edge rusher. Oh, I could, that, so that I could not agree with. Like, I like Justin Simmons. Oh, I like I Justin Simmons a lot. What's the gap between him and Micah Hyde? It's really not a gap. Micah Hyde's still a great safety so, yeah. in the league. No, no, he's, but, and the Bills seven. have Micah and Jordan Poyer. They have Trey White. Good for them. They have Matt Bill. Milano. And they, they have Von Miller. They have Josh Allen. They have Stephon Diggs. Like, there's a lot of James really Cook. great guys. In the making as well. That's why I feel like that's that's a Broncos miss. I just don't think this year's a Broncos year. I could be wrong, right. but this year is not the year for the Broncos, at least. Maybe. Yeah, I don't. I just don't think three years in a row it happens where quarterbacks changing teams win the Super Bowl. Third times a charm, kid. That's a very good saying. Just Doesn't saying. mean it's always right. Going on to this Deshaun Watson thing. Now, time to get a little bit serious about this because there's a New York Times article that came out uh, that pertains to Deshaun Watson and his. Uh, his actions that we know with uh, masseuses. So it's 66 women that we now know of that had some type of relation with Deshaun Watson when it comes to massage therapy. 24 of them sued. One said that he masturbated during the massage. 15 supported Watson at the request of his lawyers. 
Two filed criminal criminal complaints but didn't sue. Four were from a spa called Genuine Touch, a massage therapy group contracted by the Texans. Five women identified by plaintiffs' lawyers. Fifteen whose appointments were confirmed, and one woman who sued then withdrew the complaint due, due to privacy and safety issues. So, in this New York Times article, they reveal Instagram DMs. They reveal uh, some transcripts from Deshaun Watson's interviews with the police from his depositions. And it just was a very alarming thing. He booked 66 appointments in 17 months from the fall of 2019 to the spring of 2021. So what are what are just your reactions to this article and it coming out? Because now it's getting even more tougher for anybody to even vouch for Deshaun. For sure. It was hard enough for anybody to vouch for him. And I think anybody that can put two and two together knows that when it's this much women, Deshaun Watson most likely or not did something wrong. But now that this article came out and we're talking about 66, which is more than the original 24 that filed something. 23 is recently that. Yeah. So concerns them this is a big time deal. Really and now it's just putting even more pressure on the NFL to now do something about it and to hand down Deshaun Watson to suspension because that is yet to happen. And he's participating in OTAs. He's with the Brownstone interceptions, not being very good. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so, like, what are just your thoughts on this? Because this is a big deal. And the fact that the New York Times wrote an article, like, this wasn't Bleacher Report, yeah. The Athletic. This was the New York Times that shed light on this situation. That's a big deal. And the New York Times is one of, like, the few newspapers the NFL takes very seriously, right? There's some newspapers out there that I know, may, I don't want to say overlooked, but New York Times definitely won the couple that, like, top of the list for New York. It's a hard case because normally in any of these situations, we just want the legal proceedings to go on. We don't want to, you know, prove prematurely for guys guilty or innocent, but he's already gone before a grand jury and there's not enough there to charge him. The difference between, I had to Google it, between a grand jury and a trial jury is the grand jury decides that someone should be charged. The trial jury is once you go to trial, they decide if you've been convicted. So this grand jury, which is all done in privacy and secret, so they don't really have to give an explanation as to why he should or should not be charged. But they already came out and said that he shouldn't be charged with any criminal offense. So that's the first step where normally I would say, all right, let's just let this play out. And then from there, we could say one way or another. But it's already been decided that he's not going to be charged criminally. It's hard for me, though, with 66 masseuses over 17 months. I mean, most athletes, I'm assuming, you're probably going to only have a couple over your career, right? You're going to find a, a handful that you trust, who know your body, know what you know, you've dealt with injury-wise over your career. But 66 masseuses over 17 months, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? I think there's plenty of evidence here to convict, or not convict, but to at least assume that there was some wrongdoing going on, right? I mean, it's hard for me to believe that you have 24. Four women now, two within the last week, all have very similar stories about what went on during these massages. And Deshaun, who has all of the assets in the world and all of, you know, he had the Texans who were a part of it as well, had all these different ways to go in terms of getting a masseuse, a qualified one to work specifically on his body. But he went out and wanted different women every month, wanted to try different people in different places. There was, like you mentioned, 24 suing him. There's also two other women who filed criminal complaints but aren't suing one woman who would jure complain because of privacy concerns. And there is 15 therapists who, out the request from Deshaun's lawyers, came out and supported Deshaun and said that there was no wrongdoing. But still, 15 therapists compared to 24-plus that are suing him or have sued him in the past. It's a hard decision for the NFL. Um, I think he should get suspended for at least a year. 
it wouldn't surprise me if they came out and says he's going to be indefinitely suspended and he could, you know, come back in a year and, and try to fight that that case because the NFL, first of all, they screwed up bad with Calvin Ridley. He shouldn't have been suspended for a full season. If you do anything less for a year, it's an even worse PR look because you're taking these 60 plus women he's had massages with and 20 plus women who is being who are suing him and saying this isn't as important or as severe as Calvin Ridley bidding $1,500 on his own team. So the baseline for me is one season. And the NFL has to make a stand, right? They've done a good job in terms of inclusion. We have a lot. We have more, you know, uh, women in front office, refereeing, coaching staffs. And they've doing a good job, you know, putting this together and making them feel included in the league. But the one area they've lacked forever is in terms of these domestic violence, sexual assault, sexual harassment type issues. They've dropped the ball a ton over the past few years. They have a chance now, while Deshaun Watson is an incredible player, they have a chance to prove something to the league, to the media, to regular people who don't follow the NFL as closely as we do. The things are going to sound like ABC and Fox and CBS, right? You're just watching the morning news. They have a chance to put up like a, a real statement out there saying this isn't going to be tolerated in our league. If it's anything less than a year, everyone's going to point that Calvin Ridley suspension and say, oh, well, Deshaun gets, for example, 10 games, but Calvin Ridley gets the entire year because he just bet on a game. So to me, the baseline is one season, but it wouldn't surprise me if it comes out and saying he's indefinitely suspended. I don't know how the contract would work at that point. What money they get back, the draft picks are gone regardless. It's a tough decision for the NFL, but for me, it starts at one season. Uh, the Calvin Ridley situation really quick. The The reason why the year at the time before Deshaun Watson news broke well, why it was all right to a degree is that you have guys like Pete Rose that are banned from making the Hall of Fame because he used to bet on games. Jordan, the, the rumor was that he got suspended for the year because he was gambling on games. So you're caught gambling on games. You're automatically going to get a hefty suspension. But you're 100% right in everything you just said. Now that you have a guy like Calvin Ridley who's suspended for a full season that's doing something significantly not as bad as what Deshaun's alleged to have done, of course, there should be stronger. Um, excuse me. There's there should be stronger consequence for Deshaun uh, Deshaun Watson and his actions. Where it gets me to the point where we could see a possibility where Deshaun's the first player in NFL history that's suspended for two seasons. You mentioned an indefinite suspension. It would not surprise me if Deshaun was was indefinitely suspended uh, suspended as well. It's getting to a point where. 66 women in 17 months is, is is just incredibly hard to defend if you're Deshaun Watson's lawyers. How you can you can have the the text messages, the Instagram DMs, uh, you have the the 15 women coming to 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 Deshaun Watson's defense. But end of the day, 24 people, it, it, 24 women, excuse me, is incredibly hard to to overlook. There you're gonna have those people that that especially now with the whole Amber Heard situation where. There was this woman where, unfortunately for many women who are actually facing real domestic violence issues, you have a woman like Amber Heard who is so well-known in the celebrity scene, and she's out here throwing dirt on Johnny Depp's name falsely. Now you have the the, the Me Too movement being put, or let me not say put to a halt, but there's now some strong pushback where now people aren't automatically going to to, to side with these women, even though it's already courageous enough for them to come out and outwardly speak on, on these hardships that they have, have experienced. It's a tough situation for, for, for the people that are coming forward, and you have to give them nothing but endless credit, but it's an ugly situation, and, and I would love for it to be handled as soon as quickly, just so we're not here speculating anymore. Uh, the one thing I'll stand strong, you're, you're, the, the, Deshaun's only right is that he's innocent until proven guilty, but it's getting to a point where it's hard to say he's innocent at this point. Unfortunately, though, he's we're not going to see a trial. No, I, right? but not that I want to see a trial, but like it's the innocence until proven guilty. It's like 
technically, you're right. The, in the That's court, very in the eye true. Of the man. law, he's looked at as innocent. You mentioned the Amber Heard thing. I think that was a good example of uh, just comparing, just talking about women coming out and how Amber Heard her abuse towards Johnny Depp. It got swept under the rug because sure. most of the time it is man abusing woman, not woman abusing man. But I think that Johnny Depp trial really opened up everybody's eyes that men do go through these things. That being said, that's not the topic at hand. And this is about Deshaun Watson and his abuse towards women. I was shocked by this. I was shocked that the Texans provided venues for Deshaun Watson to use. That's insane. They rented out a hotel basically that had restaurants and fitness centers and real, real quick, hotel De- rooms and for him to get he, massages he a trade and suddenly this comes out right real quick though deshaun has said that the texans weren't aware about the massages at the hotel but then what's this information that we're receiving well they did set him up he got massages done at the hotel and the texans did set him up at this hotel but, but they were unaware claimed, of the actions deshaun, deshaun has claimed that the texans didn't know about the massages okay. at the hotel at least so, Obviously, so he's about. looking out for the texans interesting I think it's not. I don't even think it's looking out for the Texans. I think it's looking out for himself because then it shows that he was complicit with the Texans in this entire thing. And what you're te- what you're saying about how it comes out after Deshaun requests a trade, if Deshaun knew that the Texans were keeping this under wraps with him, it was kind of a dumb thing to request a trade in the first place. Wholeheartedly agree. Because now you have this whole thing blow up in your face. Absolutely. The Texans were complicit with Deshaun Watson. They provided him non non disclosure non disclosure yeah. agreements. They provided him massage therapy groups to go to, um, and for the Texans to say that they learned about this, all these allegations in in March of twenty twenty one is just a bold faced lie now because they were complicit with Deshaun throughout this entire process. And what also shocked me about this is that, um, New You Spa. I think that's the company name. The owner of it, her name is Lewis, I believe. And four employees from that company filed suits. And Lewis, the owner, accommodated Watson. And employees said that she gave him special treatment. There was a quote in the New York Times article that said that uh, she knows how to get men to pay. And it, to me, feels like she was using these women and... She was pimping out these women basically for Deshaun Watson to now get these sexual acts done to him during these massage things. Then you have Rusty Harden come out and say that happy endings are not completely out of the ordinary in massage therapy sessions. And it's just all of this is coming out and it's shocking because it just goes to show that when you are a person like Deshaun Watson that is a quarterback that has a lot of status and money, you get favorable treatment and you get to do a lot of fucked up shit that doesn't come to light. And people are complicit in helping you do it. The Texans being one of them, that woman Lewis from new U spa, whose employees like one employee, uh, Lewis drove one of her, she drove one of her employees to a hotel to meet Watson where he touched her hand with his penis. So she is taking her employee knowing there she Deshaun is going to do stuff to her and she is fine with it because Deshaun is paying her money a couple thousands of dollars for some products. And it just goes to show that when you have money, when you have power, you can get away with some of these things. And it's unfortunate. 
And Lewis also told an employee, Nia Smith, according to the article, that she needed to keep Deshaun Watson happy, which means that that now you're now you're talking about a boss coming from the top, applying pressure on employees to now feel comfortable with getting sexually harassed because this is a big time athlete that you need to keep happy. And I think that's the most unfortunate thing about this entire story is that you have people that are powerless being taken advantage of by people in power. And to talk about Deshaun Watson and the punishment he should receive, listen, 66 women coming out in 17 months, Deshaun Watson should be banned from the NFL. In my lifetime of watching the NFL, we've seen Josh Gordon lose his career over marijuana. We've seen Calvin Ridley just get suspended a year for gambling on a game that he wasn't even a part of. We've seen Colin Kaepernick lose his career, be blackballed over social justice issues. The NFL, the Cleveland Browns just gave Deshaun Watson a $230 million guaranteed deal. And that basically told me that signing a predator is less of a distraction than signing Colin Kaepernick to a backup quarterback role for any team. The NFL has dropped the ball so much on these issues that in order to even in, in order to even save face in this type of situation, a one-year suspension is not enough because you're now saying what Deshaun Watson did deserves the same amount of punishment as Josh Gordon smoking marijuana, as Calvin Ridley betting on games. I wouldn't be surprised, and frankly, I'd be an advocate for Deshaun to never play in the NFL again and for the NFL to step in and say, you know what, Browns, you can't guarantee him that money anymore, and we're going to rescind that contract. I doubt it happens, but for Deshaun Watson to, re to be receiving such a lucrative financial deal, despite the disgusting and heinous things that he's done, is just ridiculous and it just goes to show how flawed the justice system is one and the nfl for how they handle these situations i mean i don't think this new york times article had to come out in order for the nfl to step in and say yeah maybe a one-year suspension is reasonable like we knew this last year that these many women came out and the nfl has done nothing and stayed silent throughout this entire process a spokesperson for the browns said the team had no immediate comment on the article, and the NFL spokes spokesperson declined to comment. So not only is the NFL being silent about it, they are de declining to even answer anything about it. And I think that's the most alarming thing. We've seen so many things happen in the NFL with other players getting into trouble for stuff that is not this heinous. And for Deshaun Watson to keep on going after this is just a horrible look, and I, I frankly think it shouldn't happen. And two things. For one, the New York Times obviously did their homework, right? So you mm -hmm. can't imagine this is the only article they're looking to publish, right? It wouldn't surprise me if they have many others ready to go and things that we don't know about that came out. And in terms of the money that was guaranteed um, from the Cleveland Browns, if Deshaun was dishonest to them, which, listen, at this, he seems like a very shady guy, so he very well could have been. These last two people who are suing him over these last few weeks, if he didn't tell the NFL or tell the Cleveland Browns like there's more women potentially suing, that's a way that the Browns, I think, could get out of the $230 million guaranteed. But if Deshaun was open and honest about it and told the Browns, it, which would blow my mind that the Browns would even still be okay with something. Like, regardless, going out and trading for Deshaun and making him the face of your franchise 
was an extremely questionable bold. move. Because Very bold. You're putting, like you mentioned, a predator and saying, go and buy his jersey. Root for this guy. Your kids are going to be looking at him play every single day. Your your wives or whoever, your significant other, has to root with him, has to root for him with you. And, and that's an excellent point. And we're not even talking about how the NFL has now tried to expand their game to cater to a younger audience where we have Nickelodeon broadcasts. So now the NFL is not only trying to appease its normal fan base, they're trying to capture the audience of young viewers as well. And putting Deshaun Watson at the center of that and saying, look, this is who your kid should root for. And it's just, it's just disgusting. And it's not just the Browns. Like, 13 other teams pursued Deshaun Watson. They wanted Deshaun Watson. So it's just not the Browns. We're talking about almost half of the NFL was actively trying to pursue Deshaun Watson to play for the football team. So it's just not the Browns. The Seahawks are one of those teams that pursued Deshaun, and they're also one of those teams that has declined to give Colin a, co- a contract despite rumors circulating all the time about how that's the potentially the best fit for him and the best place for him. So I think all this coming out at this time is just, it's just sad. And a a quote that struck me the most in in the article was that, you know, one woman said that he was persistent in requests for sexual acts during the massage. And she told Deshaun, like, what's it like being famous? Like what's going on? You're, you're about to mess everything up. And that's exactly, you think that'd be a wake up call, right? Yeah. And that's exactly what Deshaun has done. He's messed everything up for himself and unfortunately, due to his status, he might get away with it. Even, but he's come very close to messing everything up. And quite frankly, it just shows we we don't know anything about any of these athletes. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm coming, shocked. I'm like, shocked. Deshaun, for whatever it's worth, coming out of the draft, his first couple of years in Houston, he was giving back to the community. He was donating, you know, doing stuff for Boys and Girls Club, all that type of stuff that makes it look like he is this, you know, outstanding citizen and really want to give back to his community. But then you go and you see this and you're more or less throwing everything away, not only like financially, but just like you you can't do anything. You go out in public like you cannot do anything. You're you this is what you're known for now. I mean, I'm shocked. Deshaun Watson to me, I never thought he was this type of person. I don't think you anybody ne- did. Yeah, no, you never he was somebody that, that in 2017 donated his his game check to, to yeah, the, the entire staff yeah. for the Texans that, you know, make their meals and stuff. So, for me, I thought Deshaun Watson this entire time was somebody who was good. And and maybe, hey, I'm not totally chastising this guy because there's possibilities for some parts of your character to be good and some parts of your character to be bad. This just can't be a bad character. It's like Deshaun. This is one of the worst. Like Deshaun Watson, has he been charitable? Yes. Has he done good? Yes. But what he's doing now just outweighs everything he's ever done that it doesn't even matter and that's a possibility to, you know, there are some, and that's, it's, it's possible with everybody. And it's, it's a reality with everybody that everybody has good and bad sides to them. Mm-hmm. It's just about how ugly your bad side gets. And it's, and as Sean Watson's, it's clear that it got to the point where he's on the edge of ruining his terrible. entire life. Yeah, and it's a terrible, like I'm shocked. The NFL hasn't come out and suspend him yet. The fact that he's at OTAs practicing, you know, he had the press conference with Stefanski when he first got traded for like, it's just it's terrible. It's a terrible look for the NFL, which is why like an indefinite suspension being banned for life is in the cards because they need to be like, okay, we've screwed up in the past. We screwed this up. Let's do so- anything we can to at least bring some sort of decent PR to us. I was gonna say, look at the MLB and Trevor Bauer and that whole situation where it was found that even Trevor Bauer threw it all. Where yes, he had the the physical uh, interaction with that with the woman, 
MLB came uh, and and that was put to bed. Excuse me. Uh, MLB still came out and suspended him for two full seasons. He was already missed. He already missed the enti- basically the entire 2021 season. Now he's being suspended for the entire 2022 season and is going to be suspended again for the 2023 season. MLB realized their mistakes in the past where they let Aroldis Chapman get suspended for 30 games with a domestic uh, uh, domestic violence issue. Um, Domingo Herman, who, who smacked his, uh, whether it be his girlfriend or significant other at the time, smacked, smacked her in front of a head office official of the MLB commissioner's office. And to, for him to only get, I think 60 games, they had to, to come in, come down and drop the hammer harshly on Trevor Bauer. And that's what they did. I'm expecting it to be the same in the NFL with Deshaun Watson. So on to the next topic, PFF dropped their top 10 coaches list. Another bad thing. And their top, and it wasn't just PFF. I don't want to just single out their entire company. It was an employee one guy from PFF, but it's labeled as PFF's yeah. list all around. And the top 10 coaches are one, Bill Belichick, two, John Harbaugh, three, Andy Reid, four, Cliff Kingsbury, five, Pete Carroll, six, Matt LaFleur, seven, Kyle Shanahan, eight, Mike Vrabel, nine, Frank Reich, and 10, Mike McCarthy. Now, we don't have to get too in-depth with this. I'll just give my thoughts on this first, and we can go and give our Top 10 coaches, along with your thoughts on the original list that they put out. We're giving our own top 10? Yeah. So, for me... I saw him put the list on Twitter. I was like, all right, let me put a top 10 list in case you So So, for me, John Harbaugh, to me, at two, is way too high. Cliff Kingsbury and Pete Carroll should not be in the top 10. Uh, and Mike McCarthy shouldn't be in the top 10 either. I, th- I think yeah. there's three coaches on there that shouldn't be in the top 10. And John Harbaugh at at two is frankly way too high for me. I mean, John Harbaugh was somebody that was on the verge of getting fired before Lamar Jackson came and made the playoffs with them. So I think that this is he's way too high for me. Bill Belichick, out of respect, you still put him at one because you know with the with one of the better rosters, he can do uh, arguably the the best job of any coach in the NFL. But the Patriots just don't have the roster right now that where he's going to get those results. But that's my thoughts on this. I think this, I think this is a terrible list, but everybody's <laughs> entitled to their own opinion, and uh, that's it. Yeah, I went through and read the article because I was very curious as to like how they came up with this. It was um, like due to like fourth down decisions, right? Decision making. So they they had this like very complex model that basically said if everyone has an average roster, who would be the best head coach, and they would take offensive points added versus defensive points allowed and say like if you're a great offensive coach you had plus 50 points if you're a great defensive coach it's like negative 40 points like basically you're saving 40 that's points. weird because john harbaugh is special teams i know it which is very strange so like i went through and, and john harbaugh is a great coach but like, he's, he's a special amazing. teams i understand coordinator. but regardless he's still an amazing which head is coach. why i don't know exactly like, they had this very complicated model with words that honestly were out of my uh, dictionary um <laughs> but regardless a few that stuck out cliff kingsbury being fourth Right, that that shocked. I was like Cliff being fourth, like he was borderline on the hot seat. Just got an extension. I understand that, and the reasoning for that was because outside of Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins, there hasn't been much offensive talent there, which was their reasoning, which I agree with. I'm not sure if that makes and him the also, fourth best coach. Since he's come into the position of the head coach of Arizona They've Cardinals, better. only have gotten better, yes. exceedingly better every single season. Yep. So I listen. Putting more Kyle Shanahan is crazy. Egregious. No, his placement is strong. I like Cliff Kingsbury as much as the next person. Four Top is four crazy. is insane. They had Sean McVay ranked 11th, and their explanation was, and I quote, the data suggests that McVay lives up to his reputation as a fantastic offensive play caller, as he's overseen great offenses in his time as the Rams head coach. He would score 55 more points on 
55 more points than the average coach. No real explanation other than he's a great offensive play caller. Somehow he's ranked 11th. And then Mike Tomlin being ranked 13th. Their explanation made more sense. They said, if this list was able to consider how a coach manages team off the field, then then Tomlin would be much higher on this list. The reason he's so low is a part of this went into like salary as well, like how you're paying different positions. And one of the reasons was Steelers have been paying Big Ben a pretty big contract. He signed a two-year, $68 million extension in 2019, and they gave him far from elite production, right? He's getting paid like a top-five quarterback, and he was playing like a bottom-five quarterback basically over the last two years, which was the reason why Tomlin's ranking was so low. My top 10 coaches, number 10, I had Stefanski. The one year where he was able to have a healthy Baker Mayfield coach of the year, First time going to the playoffs, playoff win. Nine, Vrabel. Eight, Harbo. Seven, Tomlin. Just because he hasn't won a playoff game since 2016. Six, Matt LaFleur. Five, Shanahan. Four, McDermott. Three, Reed. Two, McVay. One, Bill. All right, you can give your list, Joel, because obviously. So, PFF released uh, a top 10 coaches list, which frankly wasn't that good. So, we're going to give our top 10. Maybe it's a bit better. We'll see. Number 10, Frank Reich. Always in the hunt for the playoffs. I think he's one of the better offensive play callers. Number nine, might be a little low, but Matt LaFleur, most wins by a head coach in his first three seasons, 39-10 and 10 record. But the crux there is that he has Aaron Rodgers, and that's the big thing about it. Number eight, John Harbaugh. I think this is a perfect placement for him. I think before Lamar Jackson, he was on the hot seat. Seven, Sean McDermott, always has an elite-level defense. Six, Mike Vrabel. Hasn't had a losing season yet. At least nine wins every year and has only improved every single season. Number five, Kyle Shanahan, proven to only really win with Jimmy Garoppolo, but two NFC Championship appearances, two Super Bowl appearances, uh, one as a head coach and one as an OC, and he's frankly the best offensive play caller, in my opinion, in the NFL. Number four, Andy Reid, blueprint for the modern NFL offense. Number three, Mike Tomlin, never never had a losing season, one of the best motivators in football. Number two, Sean McVay, offensive mastermind, and number one, Bill Belichick, the void of talent currently, but the resume speaks for itself, and he deserves the number one spot. I'm shocked with McVay being number two. McVay is a brilliant offensive mind, without a doubt. I had McVay too as well. You did you have McVay too? Wow, maybe I was sleeping I mean, for that. I was making two my Super own Bowls list. just came no, off listen, a win. I don't disagree. He's a great coach. His play call at times is a little bit questionable, especially this playoff run. Uh, but listen, you can't take away from the fact that his resume, he, he's this young. He still has a, a Super Bowl underneath his belt. He's only going to get better. So I'm fine with it. I think that two is a little bit of a stretch. But hey, you hear my list. Maybe you'll have sure. some grabs with it as well. Uh, number 10, I actually have Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. I do appreciate the fact that since he's come into Arizona, they have been better each season than the last. Uh, whether you want to credit that to... To Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Cliff Kingsbury is the one that lets that offense gel together and and really get going. Uh, Got to give Cliff his credit there. Number nine, Sean, uh, Sean McDermott, one hundred percent. Is that too low or too high? Nine seems very low for McDermott. Where'd you have McDermott? I had McDermott at seven. Okay, I'm high. I had him at four. McDermott defensively has done an unbelievable job with that group of guys for sure, but it seems as if he's continuously coming up a bit short. This past season specifically, his defense was supposed to be the best of the best and still let the Chiefs pass all over them. Uh, Number seven, I have John Harbaugh. Uh, I feel like 
I was fine with them putting John Harbaugh relatively high. I mean, relatively, he's the number two head coach in the NFL, according to, to PFF. But I was fine with it because he has the history. He has the Super Bowl. He's been extremely consistent. And yes, you could say that he was on the hot seat before Lamar got there. But even still, Joe Flacco was 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 more than serviceable with John Harbaugh as their head coach. And I feel like he deserves his respect there. Number six, Mike Tomlin, for obvious reasons. This guy has been the epitome of consistency every single season. He has yet to go underneath 500, and that is just a true testament to how great he is. Um, Number five, I have Sean McVay. Yes, I just spoke about it. He is an unbelievable offensive mind, um, and he does everything he can to to bring the most out of his offense. However, I do feel skeptical about his offensive play call at times. Number four, Mike Vrabel. Now, this might be a little bit too high in, in, in some people's eyes, but Mike Vrabel might be the most underappreciated head coach in the NFL. What he's able to bring out of the talent that, in my opinion, is limited, and to be as successful as he was this past season with guys like Derrick Henry going down. You had A.J. Brown and Julio Jones in and out of the lineup. You had one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League. To still be at the top of the AFC last last year, Mike Vrabel deserves endless credit for that. Number three, Andy Reid. Not much to say about it. Andy Reid is just a historically great coach. You mentioned it, the blueprint to, to the modern-day NFL offense. He has just been a model of consistency as well. Now he has the the championship underneath his belt. There's nothing you could say about Andy Reid negative. Uh, number two, Kyle Shanahan. I think the way that you look at Kyle Shanahan is that he brings the most out of every single quarterback that he's ever been with. Now he's with Jimmy G. Now you're seeing Trey Lance. You're seeing the Trey Lance hype in the offseason where Trey Lance has just been developing at a, a tremendous pace. And I will give you credit. I'm in. I'm in. in. I'm in. Let's go. I'm in. Let's Trey go. Lance is going to be great. And Let's it's going to be due to how great Kyle Shanahan is at defending the court, uh, at, excuse me, at developing the quarterback position. And number one, without a doubt, Bill Belichick, the best head coach in NFL history, arguably the best head coach in the history of all sports. The resume speaks for itself. So Sean McVay was five or six for you? I had five. He's five. He's a top five coach at the minimum. So Mike Vrabel is over Sean McVay? Yes, believe it or not. That's nuts. I understand, especially for the fact that McVay has been to the Super Bowl twice now. I say Vrabel just comes up a little short. His team is not anywhere near the level of... You're right, but it's also a mid-division. I understand what you're saying. I'm fine with that. But Vrabel, in a short time as well has been able to bring out the most out of that defense year in, year out. McVay, in the first year, made the Super Bowl, though. That, was that his first year? Really? Yeah. That's impressive. But again, his play call, was that his first year? I think it was his first year. No, nah, it if wasn't. Not, it, it wasn't was, Jared. Uh, it was not. I don't think so. At least, maybe. It low-key might have been, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Because that was Goff's ye- f- great so year. So, 2016, yeah. Rams went 4-12. 2017, they went 11-5. and And... No, they lost in the wild card to the Falcons. So his second year, they made the Super Bowl. Okay, listen, he's been great. But yes, there's been moments where I look at his offensive but They play had call, the first ranked offense which, in 2017. Which is what, oh yeah, and that's when Todd Gurley was MVP, Jared Goff, which is what got, gets him paid over $30 million a Top season. Great too. Yeah, absolutely. I just, for him being the offensive guru that he is, there's two, there's been too many moments that stick out to me. Not too many, like... It's been a laundry list of them, but there are specific moments where I look at his play call and I really am thinking, why are you running that play in that situation? People that are watching this podcast right now or listening to it don't understand how hot this room is, but I'm sweating right are now. You? I'm it feeling good right now. I'm actually sweating right now. I'm My hair is damp. I'm a little, I'm a little warm. <laughs> I'm warm. You look a little red, actually. I am? Yeah. You're right, man? I am. Feeling the weather? I feel great, actually. Thank God. You know, I have a would you rather for this week. 
Oh, hi. Yeah, I have a would you rather, and I feel like it's going to be very controversial because every single one is it's honestly. both. It's, it's a player that both of you guys like that. Some of the names that you're going to probably put him over are names that are going to receive a what the hell. So we're going to get into it. This is because we know ball. This is would you sweaty rather. Dude, I'm saying your hands are sweaty. <laughs> My hands are as smooth as it gets. This is would you rather Kyler Murray Let's edition. Let's do it. I'm gonna First say yes to name so up, Dak Prescott. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Tua Tagovailoa. Kyler Murray. Kyler. So you're a Tua guy, so it's not a debate for you? It's Kyler Murray. I understand that Kyler Murray is in a different Tua's class. But you think Tua's MVP candidate, though. And Kyler Murray is as well. Okay, so Derek Carr. Kyler, Kyler Murray. Murray. Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Stafford. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Russ. Trevor Lawrence moving forward. Kyler, Kyler. Not, Kyler Murray. This is a Stop projection. It. No, this is Kyler Murray. Kyler, has, Kyler Murray. So you don't think Trevor Lawrence has Kyler any Murray. chance to be better than Kyler Murray long term? Kyler Murray. What? Kyler I'm not, Murray. I'm not going off of just the 2022 season. I'm going off of no. going like three next three, four years. He's not going to be Lawrence than versus Kyler. Kyler Murray. Kyler. Kyler Murray has one of the best arms in the league. Lamar Jackson. Kyler Murray. Lamar Jackson. Okay. I'm get ready. That's. A minimum eighteen hundred comments. This guy's a no baller. Talking to you. So what's oh, sure. so yeah, what's yeah. your reasoning behind Kyler over Lamar? How many times do I have to say a thing like this? Because every single time we speak about Lamar and Kyler, I say the exact same thing. So here we go for the eighteenth time. I believe Kyler Murray is a significantly better passer than Lamar Jackson. Rushing the football, without a doubt, Lamar is the best mobile quarterback in the National Football League. But at a close second, is Kyler Murray. This guy, Kyler Murray, on top of being efficient with the with the ball rushing, with his rushing abilities and getting into the end zone and rushing for yards as well, he's one of the most pinpoint accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, which is why it's not a question for me going Kyler Murray. And while I do agree that Kyler's a better thrower than Lamar Jackson, things I like more about Lamar are more intangible, right? I think Lamar is one of the best leaders in the league. Yeah, I think I think he generally like you could see how upset he gets when he has a bad play, and he's improved every single year as a passer. I think that just that continues because. He cares. He puts in the work in the offseason. He's there working out with Rashad Bateman. I've seen and Antonio Brown for whatever that's Lamar's, worth. Lamar's the boy. For so sure. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's, why that's, the, the thing. that's why the intangibles people, do it. And listen, 100% agree with that. That assessment with intangibles and Lamar Jackson, he's the king of intangibles because he is one of the most hardworking individuals in the National Football League. And I don't want to get it misconstrued that I'm an anti-Lamar guy. Yeah, you're pro-Lamar. I'm, 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 a, I'm a fan of Lamar Jackson and his game. I just would rather Kyler Murray because I understand that in this day and age, you need a quarterback that can sling the rock and be mobile as well. And Kyler Murray is definitely better at passing. Bonus name, Joe Burrow. Kyler Murray. I also would take Kyler Murray. Over Joe Burrow? I would. Kyler Murray. Man, I can't get on board with that. How dare you guys? I think I, think I had Joe Burrow over Kyler on my list, though. You did, for sure. The disrespect you you two I'm taking, I'm give towards Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is ridiculous. Dude. I actually, I actually, I actually did take Joe Burrow in our top ten list, but going forward, which is right, this is projections, one hundred percent. I'm taking Joe Burrow. Wait, so I, you I think going forward, Kyle is better than Joe? Yes, I need Joe Burrow in the TikTok, not the Kyler. Okay, okay. you'll you'll get that. You'll get that wish granted. Right, which is crazy because I didn't get the Devin Booker in the last. Would you rather? But whatever. But that was like down later in the video. I know, I but back. I came out and said I was like, listen. Yeah, no, that was like three minutes after. But it was the very next name. No, it was like three minutes after. Trust me, it was the very next name. You can just trust that, all right? Just lock it. All I right. was editing it. I watched. Real quick. I, I, I know, and I live it. Out of those names you mentioned, who are you taking, Kyler, over? I know. This guy never answers the question either. 
I'm just, curious. You know, he just likes to sit back there and be like, mm-hmm, "You what? Let's you, us get all the so you want you want so you want you want me to so okay so now it's my turn yeah, to say who would I would rather, rather? Okay, well, two is not a discussion. Collar's better than him. Yes. I'd actually rather have Dak Prescott than Collar. You're nuts. I'd rather have Dak. Um, I'd what rather have. Better, what does he do better than Collar? I just love Dak's intangibles better. Right, what does he do? Better and he than can him read the, the middle field. of the field better than Collar Murray. He is stuck on the smell of the field thing that over that post you sent us on Instagram whatever. or whatever it was. It, it's, a, it's a real thing. All right, just it's go, a real just thing. Just go to the next guy. Okay, so I'd rather have Dak than Kyler. I'd rather have Stafford than Kyler, mm-hmm. Russell than Kyler, Lamar mm-hmm. than Kyler. And if we're going long term. you're just glossing over that. Okay, so we'll just start from the beginning. We'll start no, from the top. Lamar, no, you don't have to. Lamar Jackson, why over Kyler? Because I think, I, I think when you say Kyler's a significantly better passer, I don't agree with that. I don't think he's significantly better. He is. I think he's accurate at some parts of the field. Throwing the ball but deep downfield, he's accurate. But we just saw we just saw Lamar Jackson have his best passing season, and he won an MVP. And he had 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Not Again, only that, no disrespect Kyler, to him. Kyler Murray is one of those guys that the offense is schemed up for him in a way to hide a lot of his deficiencies. So when he faces better elite defenses, they expose that. So what's his deficiency? Okay, is he, Kyler Murray in the middle Morant. of the field. That, so that's it? That, that's a big thing. And bro, he, a, I really don't I'm, I'm not thinking too much about that. Kyler Murray is great at the deep ball. He's But most of his stuff is stuff outside. He passes the ball outside the numbers a lot because... It's not that he can't read defenses. It's that he can't see over the linemen when throwing it over the middle of the field. That's why Cliff has to scheme up a lot of rollouts for him and a lot of stuff outside. Also, outside the numbers. You're saying no. he, throw, he throws more outside the pocket, not outside the numbers. Outside the numbers and the pocket, oh, but it's, it's mostly due to the offensive movement. Line's not and, good. It, and also the thing with Collar is that everything seems to be a broken hero play that he has to make. The offensive lines are not good. The best quarterbacks can make those hero plays, but the best quarterbacks also are the ones that are able to stay in the pocket and make those tight window throws. And Kyler is not able to see over his deep over his offensive lineman. The reason why so the reason why he struggled so much in that Rams playoff game is because they took the outside out. And because he and had a lot no one the, to get the ball to. There were so many there were so many plays. Kyler could have made a play, but didn't make a play because he doesn't look at the middle of the field. That's part of the reason why Cliff struggles to scheme up an offense that doesn't get bland towards the end of the season because it's limited for Kyler. That's why I wouldn't take Kyler over a lot of these guys because I don't think those limitations apply to a guy like Dak Prescott. So it's because he's 5'11". It's because he can't see over his offensive lineman, and that's a big thing. We've seen short quarterbacks succeed. We've seen... One in Russell Wilson and, and Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Yeah. But You've seen, really and Kyler Murray has been excellent. He has been fantastic. He's been fantastic. Excellent. But when you yes. watch the film, these are some things that pop out. That Listen, are, Kyler I and Lamar are neck I think and neck. Fine. They're neck and neck. But that's why I'm taking Lamar. I think Lamar, it, it, it's not really a debate between like who's a better runner. Like oh, you no, think you might think it's not. close, but no, Lamar. Okay, Lamar clears no, him in that. Absolutely, we're talking about the greatest mobile quarterback in the history. What you're of the talking game. about, Lamar is a significantly better leader, and Lamar isn't this bad passer. He just hasn't had elite tier options. He's not a bad passer. He's just not on Kyler's level at all. He is on Kyler's level. Lamar's Passing also. The football, no, we just mentioned third highest A down the league. He's pushing the ball down the field. I mean, the field, you which you, could you say that you say that, percentage. but Kyler Murray has yet to have a season where he's had a better. Um, he's had better passing numbers than Lamar did in 2019. Is that 
correct? That is correct. In terms Probably. of an, from an efficiency standpoint, he had more yards. He definitely beat him in yards, 20, completion percentage, 20, not touchdowns. No, in 2020, he, he, Kyler he Murray had probably yards. had more passing yards, but I'm talking about in totality, Lamar Jackson had one of the most efficient passing seasons in yeah, NFL history. Yeah, he had like a 9% touchdown percentage, which is For ridiculous. sure. He, Kyler he, he Murray has year. never been able to, has, hasn't done that yet, and I don't think he will do that. Kyler had, what, 3,800 passing yards and 800 rushing with like 10 touchdowns? You want to look up Kyler or look up Lamar? Yes. That doesn't, but he's never had a season like Lamar. I'm just saying that's that unanimous MVP. Ridiculous. 3,900 yards, excuse me. And that unanimous MVP wasn't just because Lamar yeah, had 1,000 yards rushing. 30, Lamar had 3,100 in 2019. Yeah, 3,900. And this past season, 3,787. And how many passing touchdowns that year, Joel? 36. Yeah, 36. Kyler hasn't had that yet. He had 39, 26, 12 INTs, which is, you know, you'd like to bring that down a little bit. And rushing the football, he had 819 yards and 11 touchdowns. You said Kyler had 39? 3,900. Oh, I thought you said 39 touchdowns. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. In total, he might have had that. 1,200 yards. And then Kyler Murray's completion percentage is also so high because he throws a lot of short concepts. But then again, we're talking about that's not really a thing to me because when he throws the ball down the field, it's right on the money. So it really cares. He can't throw in the middle of the field. He struggles in that area. That's his biggest efficiency as a quarterback right now. That right there. Listen, with Hollywood Brown, we'll see what happens. No, that's a that's a better fit for him. Yeah, for sure. But we'll, we'll like you said, we'll see what happens. I'm just I'm not this big Kyler guy, and it's I don't. I, and Kyler's really good. Kyler's him. He's no, really he's good. really good, but he's never going to be in that tier. He's never going to be in Joe Burrow. He's I mean, never going to be on we Joe were, Burrow's. We were talking level. about Kyler Murray being the MVP of the league six weeks, seven weeks. Into he's the never going to be on Joe Burrow's level. Never, never. That's a he's never casual take. Joe Burrow's level. So, Tyler, yeah, never, never, absolutely Statistically, not. Statistically, he'll be there. I don't know if he's gonna. Uh. So let me recap the names, though. Let me recap the names for you. So, would you rather? This is what I would. I this is my would I rather with uh, Kyler Murray. I'm taking Dak over Kyler, Kyler over Tua, Kyler over Derek Carr, Stafford over Kyler, Wilson over Kyler. Lawrence over Kyler long term for sure. Oh my god! And Lamar Jackson over Kyler and Joe Burrow over Kyler. That's not even a debate. Trevor That's Lawrence. That's not even a debate. I, I understand the coach and everything goes into it. He had a historically bad rookie season. This isn't just like a, it was iffy, whatever. Like it was historically bad. I know. Um, I know. And trust me, look, I was just like you, but I did my research this past week and I watched a lot of film this past week, and I'm getting ready to say some stuff about Trevor Lawrence that. Um, I frankly feel good about. I don't think he's gonna be terrible. I'm pretty definitely high on not him as, well. as bad as I frankly feel good season, about. But I see him. Yeah, I mean, like Derek Carr type of tier. On to the AFC South predictions. That's the next part of this show. Some call it one of the weaker divisions of football. It probably is one of the weaker ones in football. Probably the weakest in football. But we're starting off with the best team in the AFC last year, record wise at least, the Tennessee Titans. 12-5 and five last season, lost in the divisional round versus the Cincinnati Bengals who went on to compete versus the Rams in the Super Bowl. Do you feel like the Titans are being overlooked and underrated coming into this season? I'll start with you, Drew. Ooh. I feel like... You uh, me out there. Yeah, no. It's yeah. a no look. Uh, I'll say this. I think overlooked and underrated i'm not gonna i don't want to use those terms i feel like disrespected is the the word that i feel like is appropriate but i feel like overlooked no because then you look at their schedule and then you understand why there's a chance that they might not finish up top of the division because this schedule like i went into it 
with an open mind, yes, they're being overlooked. You know, they had a significantly worse roster last season. Significantly worse is strong. Uh, but they went through a bunch of injuries. Derrick Henry was out. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, like I mentioned earlier in the show, in and out of the lineup. One of the worst offensive lines in the league. Ryan Tannehill was able, on top of the defense, most importantly the defense, specifically that that defensive line of theirs. And, of course, Bayard. You have to give him that respect. However, um, they still were able to win games and finish up top of the AFC Conference. Number one seed, get that by. Uh, they were underwhelming come playoff time for sure. One of the weaker one seeds we've seen. Uh, however, you still have to give them that respect with the the amount of uh, the amount of adversity they face and the the ability to to overcome that. You still have to give them that that credit. However, I look at the schedule and I do get worried, especially for the fact that one, their offensive line is still bad, did not improve much, and two, their secondary. You're counting on Caleb Farley to come back, and he was injured a majority of last season. And outside of him and Bird, uh, Byard, of course, who is one of the best safeties in the league, if not the best safety in the league, uh, outside of the, outside of Bird, uh, Byard, excuse me, there's not much depth here on the secondary. So I do have my worries when it comes to two, those two regards. And lastly, it's Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was a huge part of the reason why the Titans were able to to be the number one seed in the AFC because he was so great at managing these games in the regular season. However, when it came down to playoff time where he needed to play up to par, he wasn't able to do so and ended up costing his team the game. Now, in terms of their their record prediction, it was really tough for me because I wanted to have them in a position where they were at minimum fighting for that last wild card spot, uh, but or even still potentially fighting for the ones uh, for the top spot in their division. But just going through the schedule, I didn't see how it was possible. I'll go through week by week so you guys can see what I'm talking about in terms of difficulty. So week one, I have versus the Giants. I have W there at Buffalo loss. Uh, Las Vegas in Tennessee, I have a loss at Indianapolis. I have a loss at Washington. I have a W here, and then they enter their bye week uh, versus Indianapolis. I gave them the W. I do believe that they split. At Houston, W. At KC, I have a loss. Versus Denver, I have a loss. At Green Bay, I have a loss. Versus Cincinnati, I actually went back to my, my Cincinnati predictions. I actually gave Cincinnati a loss here, given the fact that they had a, a very intense matchup in the playoffs, and it came down to one play, really. And, um, excuse me, Cincinnati ended up stealing a game there, and I think that Tennessee is going to be hungry, looking, looking forward to this game mostly. Uh, over the rest of these games this season. And I do have Tennessee winning here. At Philadelphia, I have Tennessee winning. Versus Jacksonville, I have Tennessee winning. At LA Chargers, I have them losing. Versus Houston, I have them winning. Versus Dallas, I have them winning. And at Jacksonville, Week 18, I have them losing. Coming to a record of 9-8. and eight. That seems fair. So you think they sweep Houston? I do think so. Houston, I'm not... Super high on, obviously, not, for I'm obvious reasons. Uh, it is in division. Of course, that's always the chance that they could lose. However, I feel like Tennessee is more than capable of beating them. Yeah, I agree. The, the question I have with the Titans this year, what version of Ryan Tannehill are we getting? 100%. Right? That's, that's number one. Because in 2021, he had more interceptions than 2020 and 2019 combined. Right, He did play decent in the, well, at least definitely uh, not to his part, in the regular season and the postseason as well. So what type of Ryan Tannehill are we going to get? And what does this offense look like with no A.J. Brown? Right, You guys know Traylon Burks was my favorite wide receiver, but he's not coming in and replacing A.J. Brown 100%. Their other wide receiver being Robert Woods, 30 years old, coming off a torn ACL. So this offense is going to look at least passing-wise, a lot different than it has in years past. He can't even get through a practice. 
He has asthma. He'll be fine. Traylon Brooks. Maybe. Well, so far, he can't get through a practice. He has asthma, bro. He'll be fine. Um, Asthma's not something to joke about, he'll, bro. He'll be fine. All right? As first I'm responder, Drew, I'm letting you, you know that asthma is serious. I'm just giving you the fact and, that he has been unable day, to The first day of practice, practice, he didn't finish practice. Day two, he came and played a, and did full practice. I'm so not, that's not I'm true. not saying that it's a problem. I'm just saying he's been not, unable to participate in a lot of practices. He finished... Day or two of minicamp, he played the entire practice, participated in the entire practice. Oh, Day sorry. one, he struggled because of asthma. He's, he's, AJ, been, he's AJ Brown light. He'll be fine. Well, um, I trust you because you're the one that you know probably has Traylon Brooks as your lock screen. <laughs> I don't. It's actually it's <laughs> Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown and uh, Jamar Chase. Mm, okay. Um, but moving Man on. Taste. Man of taste, of course. And my uh, my home screen one is Makai Becton. Oh, that's ugly. It's kind of nuts. I know. I just need a Jets one in there. You know. I mean, listen, Makai's if he's healthy, he could be. He could be that guy. The big ticket. You don't get that nickname for ticket, nothing for sure. Moving on to Derrick Henry though, because he lets everybody pass him by. He was great as rookie year. What, what are we doing? That's actually not a good nickname for an offensive lineman. I actually love the nickname. If it's especially because if, if you're an offensive lineman and your nickname is called the Big Ticket, that's because you let everybody get entry. Bro, have you seen his? Have you seen his chain? His chin. His chain. chain. Yeah, I have seen his chain. Bro, that he's chain tough. is one of the iciest chains I've ever seen in my he's life. Super tough. Um, I'm moving on to Derrick Henry for the third time now. Crying. I think <laughs> I think Derrick Henry will probably be fine, but I can't sit here and ignore that age 28 is typically the age apex for running backs. This is when we see a pretty steep decline in the history of the NFL. This is where we see the steep decline for running backs, and I don't think it's a coincidence that his first major injury came last season in his age 27 season, and he also struggled right before injury when he came back. That playoff game, maybe not 100%, wasn't phenomenal either. I think Derrick Henry will be okay, but just keep an eye out because that age 28 season historically is when running backs decline. You mentioned about the offensive line being questionable. Defensively, I think they'll be fine. You know, they were sixth in points, third in rush defense. It is struggle against the pass, but this year they're getting JC Horn back. They extended Harold Landry. So I think they should be fine defensively. But I just look at the rest rest of the AFC and which we've talked about time and time again, how great it is at quarterback, at offense, just teams in general. There's eight teams in the AFC that wouldn't shock me if any of them went to the Super Bowl. I don't see Tennessee in that in that conversation. I have them at eight and nine. Right on the borderline of, you know, possibly being on that wild card spot. But eight and nine, you're probably two games you're out. out. You're, you're probably two games out you're at this screwed. point. Um, it, it sucks because I think Rabel's a great coach. And honestly, if it wasn't for Rabel, they might be seven and ten. If you really look at the schedule, their added division opponents are really difficult. You mentioned a few of them being KC, the um, the Chargers, Dallas, Philly. Like they have a, a few really tough opponents. So I have them going eight and nine, probably missing the division, uh, probably missing the playoffs. I think they are being overlooked and underrated. Um, I like the Tennessee Titans. I'm shocked to hear this. This is the first time you're saying this all offseason. Yeah. I mean, I know I like I like the Colts a lot. They're still the favorites for, for me to win this division. But I just can't help but look at what the Titans have been over the past couple of years, who Mike Vrabel is as a coach, and Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. I, I know he had a down season last year, but I can't blame the guy much when the offensive line was one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, that's why I, I you know, it, it's hard. It's just they they have the 16th ranked offensive line, but that's because their run blocking efficiency is really good, and then their pass blocking efficiency Ass. is just one of the worst in the NFL. And you can't ask a quarterback to succeed in those type of conditions, especially when your receivers are inconsistent and Julio Jones, A.J. Brown being unhealthy, no option at tight end. There was no receivers for for, uh, Ryan Tannehill all season. 
Austin Hooper to me is not somebody who really, you know, moves the needle. Moves the needle for me. I'm not that confident in him. Mike Vrabel has never had a losing season. Nine and seven, nine and seven, eleven and five, twelve and five. He's gotten better every year. And this is the same coach that last year dealt with the most players that were out due to injury and just an influx of key players out all year. And they still finished with the 15th ranked offense, sixth ranked defense. They beat the Bills, Chiefs, Rams, Niners, swept the Colts. Like to me, it's just Mike Vrabel and the Titans have done too much. They have proved too much to me for me to just say they're going to fall down and give up and just be this team that is not that good. The defense is going to be better this year. Jeffrey Simmons is still there. Danico Autry, Harold Landry, Bud Dupree, now having a full year recovering from his ACL. Their linebacking core, I think, got better. They replaced Rashad Evans and um, Jayon Brown with David Long, who was better than both of them last year, and Zach Cunningham, who was a former pro bowler with the Texans, who now is in the scheme for a year now. Caleb Farley, very high on him as a prospect. Season was cut short last year due to injury. Christian Fulton had, I mean, Christian Fulton is a star in the making. Christian Fulton is one of those guys that people aren't talking about enough, but last season, 13 games, two interceptions, 14 passes defended, allowed a 51.4 completion percentage, the best of any corner in the NFL, and a 71.3 passer rating. And his 16.7% incompletion rate is a top is one of the best in the NFL, top 25 coverage grade. In 2020, he was in a slot as rookie, but in 2021, he was placed on the outside. That's where he's going to fit best. Christian Fulton, to me, is a star. And outside of the Buffalo Bills, I think they have arguably the best safety duo in the NFL with Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker. They're flat-out awesome. And Elijah Molden in the slot. Like, there is a lot to be excited about with this defense. This defense is going to be elite. And the offensive line, that's just really where I worry about the most. And the weapons group, of course, because you're relying on Traylon Burks, who who knows what he's going to be. Like, listen, he disappointed at the combine watching his film. <laughs> he had a he, 90% speed score. It was, it was higher than Garrett Wilson's. Listen, <laughs> I don't want your input on my Okay. <laughs> um Traylon Brooks, even even on the film, I didn't think he was a top three receiver in the draft to me on film. Um, Austin Hooper, he's average. Like, he's the definition of just a mediocre tight end. He can block and stuff, he's but average. he's just average. Robert Woods coming off a torn ACL, that's worrisome as well. Oh, my guy's all right, man. It's just the weapons group. It's one of the worst in the league. Um, you're relying on a rookie to really take you over the top in Traylon Burks. The offensive line, they lost Roger, Roger Saffold, who was one of the better run blockers, but in pass pro, he struggles tremendously. And you're relying on guys like Brewer and Raidens to now step up and get starting roles and all of a sudden be better. You know, maybe that makes a, makes a difference. But to me, it's just, listen, I think the signs are going to be good. Do I think they're going to be great? I don't think they're going to be great. I think the defense is going to be one of the better ones in the league, and Jim Schwartz is a defensive assistant on that staff. He's somebody who's routinely had great defenses throughout his coaching career. And you look at the schedule, there's very few gimmies. They have such a tough schedule. Buffalo, Las Vegas, Indy twice, Kansas City, Green Bay, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, the Chargers, Dallas, 
when you went over the schedule, Drew, you gave them the win week 17 and the loss week 18. I'm more likely thinking they're losing to Dallas and winning against Jacksonville and maybe sweeping them more so than they're they're going to beat Dallas because I think Dallas is still a formidable opponent. I have them finishing 9-8. and eight. I think that's a reasonable place for them to finish. If the offensive line can figure it out and they're better from last year, if Derrick Henry doesn't get hurt, if Robert Woods is all of a sudden the same guy he was before and Traylon Burks is the best rookie receiver and Austin Hooper has a resurgence and Ryan Tannehill now goes back to the 2020 form. Like there's a lot of things that go in that factor into them overachieving. Then I can see them as one of the better teams in the AFC again, like they have been the previous, the, the past couple of years. But as currently stands, there are just way too many question marks offensively that hold me back from saying they're going to, they're going to win this division. Um, do you have them beating Jacksonville both games? I think there's a chance they sweep the Texans and Jacksonville. I have them sweeping Jacksonville. I have them splitting with Houston. I also went back. I think they beat Dallas. I have them at 9-8. and eight. Not to just mm-hmm. you know piggyback on you guys, but 9-8, and 8-9. Eight, eight Sounds about right. Because uh, yeah. week 18 is at Jacksonville, which is why I have them as a loss. And then against Dallas, Dallas is one of those teams that's hard to project as well because – you obviously have to be high on Dak Prescott. You have to be high on CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, their offensive line, Ezekiel Elliott, and Tony Pollard. Of course, can't forget about him when you're in the presence of Joel V. Moran. And Dak splits with so Amari versus not Amari. There's a big difference. No, for sure. Uh, and I, I do have my worries about that. But he and, did not have CeeDee Lamb. And, uh, and I do have my worries about that secondary as well. Uh, you give the credit to, to Diggs 100%. He just had one of the most insane efficiencies in terms of intercepting the football but giving up yards over the top it was ridiculous uh, of course you have Michael Parsons who's one of the best defensive players in the league but overall I'm still not overly impressed with that defense and offensively we're going to see what Dak Prescott is made of uh, Dak Prescott is made of when he doesn't have a plethora of weapons on the outside to to really sling it and listen Vrabel is an amazing head coach I would Great. not be surprised if they get that W especially at home on to the next team the Indianapolis Colts now this is a team that I am very high on. They're my team. They're they're my agenda-based team this year. Last year, it was the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Vikings didn't live up to the bill. The Eagles did. This year, though, I don't have too many teams on my agenda. It's just the Colts. There's not a team that I think... The Eagles, too, because I have them winning the NFC East as well. The Colts are my team this year, outside of my team, the Jets. The Colts are my team, 9-8 last season collapse at the end of the year because of Carson Wentz mostly. And it was just weird. They beat New England and Arizona back to back, then lose to Vegas and lose to Jacksonville. As that's what you have when you that's what happens when you have a Carson Wentz led team. But this team isn't led by Carson Wentz anymore. It's led by Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, Hall of Fame quarterback, top ten in passing yards, completions, attempts, touchdowns. Longevity. Now I'm just gonna go first and give my spiel on the Colts because Last year, the teams they lost to were the Seahawks, Rams, Titans, Bucks, and the Jaguars, of course, um, and the Raiders. All these teams outside of the Jaguars are really good teams. Seahawks at the time had Russell Wilson. That was week one. They were still good. Rams, Titans, Bucks, all at the top of, the, of, the, of their conference. And the Raiders made the playoffs and gave the Bengals a fight in their first playoff game. 
I just look at this Matt Ryan edition as something that's going to take them over the top. And I'm so excited to just see my prediction coming to, coming into fruition because it's going to happen. Matt Ryan is one of those guys, you look at the stats and you say pedestrian, but then you watch it and you see how much he goes through, the dysfunction around him, the ability to lead. The other day in OTAs, the offense did something wrong and Matt Ryan checked them on it. That's something Carson Wentz would have been too, too timid to do because he's not a leader. He's not a natural born leader like Matt Ryan. You want to know what Yannick Ngakwe said about Matt Ryan? Inform me. He said Matt Ryan can lead us to the Super Bowl. That locker room in Matt Ryan's short stint in Indianapolis already has the guys with confidence that they he can lead them to new and greater <laughs> heights. And that's what excites me most about the Indianapolis Colts. It's a chance for Matt Ryan to get his redemption on everybody that's always been saying he's washed. It's a chance for the Colts to get back into the playoffs and win playoff games. And what did Michael Pittman say about Matt Ryan the other day when he was talking about his accuracy? He can put it anywhere he wants. He can put it anywhere he wants because Matt Ryan throws missiles, lasers. He doesn't miss. He, he's like the Kendrick Lamar football, just doesn't miss. That's who Matt Ryan is. On to that is uh, insanity. Uh, the on comparison to, can go on to some important stuff I want to talk about. You know, we've talked about the Colts <laughs> before after they got Ryan, and you know, one of the bigger things, what are, one of the bigger players that I think is going to have a better role and now is going to pr- produce more with Ryan is Naheem Hines. Oh, and when I mentioned him a couple episodes ago, you guys said that. Well, you know, he didn't get the load. He, he his low load was diminished because of Jonathan Taylor's breakout. But that's actually not true because in 2020 he played 36 percent of snaps. In th- in 2021, this past year, he played 32 percent of snaps. But in 2019, he played 32 percent of snaps and had more and had four more receptions and 10 more yards than he did in 2021. Okay, I think even if Naheem Hines plays around the same amount of snaps. He's going to have better numbers. He's going to have more receptions. He's going to have more yards. Are you saying because Matt Ryan's going to check down more? It's because Matt Ryan's going to take what the defense gives him. Mm, he's an avid That's, check downer. It's not that he's an avid check downer. It's that it's Matt, not a bad thing. Matt, I'm not, I'm Matt, not, Matt Ryan. got to use that whenever he brings it up about two about checking down. Oh, for sure. he, Matt Ryan he, takes, takes what the what defense, the defense gives, him. gives I've said that all the time. Michael Pittman is so a true. Clown for it. Michael Pittman is a true wide receiver one. No, he's not. Yes, he borderline. is. He's, he's a true wide receiver one. Is he is he elite of the elite? This season, no. this season will prove but it. But there are a lot of great receivers in the NFL, and Michael Pittman is one of those guys, one of the best 50-50 jump ball guys in the entire like NFL. The 18th best receiver. And look, Paris Campbell, that's the guy I'm really going to – This it starts here. I'm starting the Paris Campbell agenda. Paris Campbell is going to have a breakout season next year. What about Alec Pierce? I like Alec Pierce. I think he's going to be um, – It seems like he's been getting a lot of the hype out of camp. It's been Paris Campbell. It's been Paris Campbell. What's Paris Campbell? What's he putting up this year? Let me just let me just okay, give my okay. spiel first. I like Alec Pierce. I think Alec Pierce will give the Colts another guy alongside Paris Campbell to take the top off the defense. But I think Alex Alec Pierce has a similar rookie season to maybe like a Van Jefferson his rookie year. I see like six hundred seven seven hundred yards from Alec Pierce. A, a good solid rookie season. I thought you were saying like the eight hundred Van had this year. Paris Campbell is going to have a breakout season this year. 
in OTA so far, one day of OTAs, he caught three straight touchdown passes from Matt Ryan. The MVPs, according to beat reporters from the Colts, the MVPs of OTA so far have been Matt Ryan, Naheem Hines, and Paris Campbell. All guys that I think are going to be huge additions this year and going to have good seasons. Paris Campbell is a very, very good receiver. The problem with him is that he fails to stay healthy. I know you're laughing, but let me finish. Paris Campbell's problem is not that he can't play receiver at the NFL level. We don't know. It's that he gets hurt. He's played 15 total games in his three-year career. He's had an abdominal strain, hand fracture, foot fracture, all in the same year in 2019. In 2020, he had an MCL and PCL injury in week two. In 2021, another foot injury. But in 2020, week one, six receptions, 71 yards. Week one, he was he was having a great game and then goes down. It's just unfortunate. I feel bad for Paris Campbell, but he's shown he can play. And no, then he hasn't. 2021, he hasn't. 2021, week five, four receptions, 56 yards. Week six, one reception, 51 yards, one touchdown, <laughs> then got hurt. The unfortunate truth about Paris oh, Campbell, God. the unfortunate truth about Paris Campbell is that whenever he starts to garner and gain momentum, he gets hurt. And that's unfortunate. But it's not that he can't play. He can play. There was a reason why he was a highly higher-rated prospect than Terry McLaurin coming out of Ohio State. He was the wide receiver number one coming out of Ohio State. He's just been hurt to this point. It's not his fault. It's unfortunate. But this year, listen, I pray to the gods up in the sky. He stays healthy because he's gonna he's gonna show everybody that he can play when with and with Matt Ryan slinging that dang. You talk about A dot all the time. Watch Matt Ryan's A dot numbers this year okay. with Alec Pierce, Pittman, and Paris Campbell. I want you to keep that same energy that you was keeping for everybody else. And you, the, the disrespect to Matt Ryan is gonna stop with you. Yep. I swear it's gonna stop yep. with you. And then defense, Gus Bradley. Stephon Gilmore, Yannick Ngakwe had the most pro bowlers last year. And you look at their schedule. It's ridiculously easy. Houston win. Jacksonville win. KC, I'll give them a loss. Tennessee, I think they win. That's three and one to start. Denver, I'll I'll give Denver the win. That's three and two. Then they face Jacksonville, Tennessee, Washington, New England, Las Vegas. I don't think that's a tough schedule. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Minnesota, Chargers, New York, and Houston. I feel like a lot of these games are winnable. And to me, I have the Colts going 12-5 and five this year. I think they're going to go 12-5. and five. I think Matt Ryan is going to have a tremendous bounce-back season. JT is going to be who JT is. And Paris Campbell, you better hope he doesn't stay healthy because, Joe, you're going to, take, you're, you're going to regret laughing on the show about him not being able to play. I mean no disrespect to Paris Campbell. But to say we know he could play NFL football is 100% false. I know he He's played play. three years. He's never had more than 160 yards, bro, in a season. 160 yards. That's because he's been um, hurt. Let me he add, can't stay on the field. He. That's what I'm saying. He's been hurt. He's so been you think hurt. he's going to play 17 games? The thing, the reason why I know Paris Campbell can play is because every year since he's been in the NFL, in training camp, he's torched the but Colts bro, defense. Like, I don't really give a fuck about training camp. And minicamp. Like, I was told Justin Jefferson was terrible. I was told Jamar Chase can't catch. 2021, I mean, 2020, he started week one, six receptions, 71 yards. I get it, Then gets hurt for the year. I don't care about a one-week sample. Like, I I really do not care at all. 
Six receptions, seventy-one yards is a good game. Then you get hurt for the year, bro. But bro, how are you able to get momentum? You can't. You can't give me a one-week sample and be like, "Listen, he, he could play. He could play." Like, no, it's a one-week sample. He got, a lot of guys before, were great. Then one before week. he got hurt, Mike White was amazing for one week. Then before he got hurt in twenty twenty-one, 50, 50 yards back to back, and on week six, fifty-one yards, one reception, one touchdown, a deep bomb, a and then get, gets hurt. That's what I'm saying. But like, whenever he gets momentum, he gets hurt. It's unfortunate, but he can play. Um, one thing I want to ask about play. the you're crazy, bro. Yeah, you're I, crazy. I don't want to. I don't want to drag the Paris Campbell take too much because you know what? This is your projection. End of the day, we we can at least come together and agree that Paris Campbell has not shown us that he is uh capable of maintaining a high level of wide receiver play. But if you're projecting that he's going to to excel in his role this season, then hey, I'm not going to. Sorry, knock real you. quick. What's what's his stat line this year? If he stays healthy, yep. I think he goes for it. Uh. Just being reasonable, and just reasonable, keep in mind also that you you laughed at Jerry Judy having twelve fifty. So be careful. With just the being reasonable about it, I think he's gonna have like seven hundred to nine hundred yards if he stays healthy. If he stays healthy, okay. Uh, all right, man. Uh, listen, uh, a lot of the things you said, I, I definitely agree with. I think the Colts are definitely the team that, outside of the Broncos, that made additions that are going to put them in a significantly better position to be successful this season. Uh, particularly when it pertains to the quarterback position. Matt Ryan is still a high-level quarterback. High-level, I don't want to get that misconstrued with, I think that he's a top fringe top 10. No, I think you put it very accurately, Joel. I say he's in that class of that 13 to 15 range, uh, closer to 15, uh, in my opinion. Uh, probably think I, I think the list that I made, I had him 14. Uh, but regardless of that fact, um, 12 and 5 seems a little bit too strong for me. Um, do you have them beating um, Philadelphia? Yeah. You have them beating Dallas? Yeah. Interesting. I have them beating Philly, losing to Dallas. I have them losing to Phil- to Philadelphia and Dallas. So I'm going to go through my schedule really, fo- really quick and then go through my analysis. Uh, uh, I have them losing to Jacksonville week two, actually, at Jacksonville. Uh, I have them losing at Denver. I have them losing to Kansas City, excuse me, week three. I have them losing at Tennessee. I have them losing to Philadelphia. I have them losing at Dallas. I have them losing to the Chargers. And that's it. I have them going 10-7. and seven. I feel like 10-7 and seven is, is a fine record, given the fact that, yes, Matt Ryan is an upgrade from Carson Wentz. Significantly. I don't... I think he's an upgrade for sure, without a doubt. Uh, I still... I, I'm not a complete slanderer of Carson Wentz's name. I think Carson Wentz is going to be fine statistically. I don't know if it's going to impact the the wins column because Washington is still in a position where that team's a little ugly for me. Um, But I look at this defense, and I agree with everything you say about it. Secondary-wise, it's fantastic. You have Gilmore. You have Moore. That is a dangerous duo. Uh, The front seven strong. I look at this offense. The offensive line needs to be better than last season's. Um, But, you know, you you claim— It will be. You— Matt Pryor, which is which is what uh was a an issue of Carson Wentz that he held the ball a little bit too long and allowed him to be put in uh, situations where he was pressured. Matt Ryan is not one of those guys that he's afraid to check down. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have an unbelievable season uh, receiving wise as well as rushing. And then you mentioned Naheem Hines. I think Naheem Hines is going to have an extremely efficient season as well because Matt Ryan is so prone to checking down. And, and I'm not saying that as a negative by any means. Checking down is not a bad thing. If you don't have anything and you want to see your, your running back, these running backs yeah. nowadays in the modern NFL – 
are more than capable of handling that load. And especially it just, when, it just affects your A dot, which then gets used against you when Joel pulls. pulls I know, up which is why, which stats. is why I, that was just a low blow. Just oh, not let me not say low blow, a quick jab because no, he called him jab. Norm Lamar. That's I know, the reason and, I brought it up. and that was very rude. And, and I, I know you know that's rude, especially because you think that he's better than Kyler Murray. Uh, but my whole thing is Casual. it's not a bad thing when you have Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, two of the better receiving running backs in the league, Naheem Hines, which is what he specializes at. My concern still is at the wide receiver position. If Alec if Alec Pierce can come in and, and be efficient in his rookie season, give you like 600, 700 yards, if Paris Campbell uh, lives up to the hype that my friend Joel V. Moran is, is spewing to you guys, <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility oh that the Colts God, definitely bro. exceed even my expectations. Mm-hmm. But they really have to to step up to, to that level. The wide receiver position is still a concern for me. But yeah. P- Pittman is going to be good enough that he is going to have a, an extremely successful season, especially with Matt Ryan throwing the football. Matt Ryan is one amongst one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. I uh, just I'm not going to go above and beyond and say that they're going to significantly watch these guys. I, I feel I'll like 10-7 is fair. The only thing that concerns me about the Colts is the receiver position. That being said, if Paris Campbell is healthy, I'm not concerned. If Paris Campbell is healthy, that is a really good group. Campbell and Pierce are both 4-4 guys with Pittman who can get who can go up there with any corner in the league in a jump ball situation, it, it's going to be hard to to guard the Colts, off, Colts offense when you have to worry about Jonathan Taylor than two guys on the outside that are 4-4 four, four guys. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Paris Campbell, 2019, played seven games. He averaged 18 yards per game. Yo, Pittman is a big boy, In 2021, Jesus. Paris Campbell played six games. He averaged 27 yards per game. You said seven to nine hundred yards. Twenty nineteen with Jacoby Brissett. Okay, you said uh, seven nine hundred, right? Yeah, I'll take the under eight hundred. You want to do that? Well, are we gonna have a like if he's healthy, right? You write all these down. I'm assuming. No, I don't write. You want to bet with you every single segment, bro? Because you have some ridiculous takes. I don't. I don't. It's. It's just gonna that's seven hundred nine hundred a lot happen. for Paris that's why Campbell. that's why I won the middle I said under no it's it's a lot for somebody if you think they're gonna get hurt I, I'm projecting him not to get hurt like if you're telling me if he plays eight games is this deal off how many games does he have to play if he gets hurt look I'll say fifteen oh. I mean I don't think he's gonna play fifteen but games, that's part though, of the like, that's part of the banking on Paris Campbell and well that's why I said on the hype train no but that I can't control somebody getting but hurt. I'm saying you t- you have to take that into account especially when you're projecting someone who's been constantly injured. Okay, so um, Saquon Barkley, fantasy. Are you going to draft him? You listen, can't talk to this guy. You're talking to the wrong guy because, listen, I'm going into year three now where Saquon— year But two, he's been hurt. But you can't draft but if him. But if he gets—but if he get—like, if you're Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, they're good. If they get hurt, you can't control that. If I make a bet with him and then my guy gets hurt, why why, why should that bet still be on? My, my projection is based off of him playing most of the season. Because Paris Campbell is a good receiver. He just has to stay healthy, which he hasn't to this point. That's like me with banging on Josh Gordon. Just as long as he was on the field, if he comes back, regardless of however long the suspension was, if he's back on the field, he's going to be great. Well, yeah, I know what you're saying. But I'm just saying that that deal, if you're telling me if, if Paris Campbell plays at least 14, 15 games, I will take that. Let me tell you, 11 games, 11 games, Darren Waller was able to put up what? Was it Excuse me, Gronkowski played 12 games. He had 802. I feel like 10 games is fair. 10 games for 700, 900 yards? 10 games, 7 to 900. That's that's, that's big time. I don't think even D-Hop did that. He didn't. D-Hop had eight touchdowns. 
Do you have average like 55 yards per game? I'm talking about yards, though. I understand, but Harris Campbell is... 10 games for 900 yards is a lot, With bro. Matt Ryan. No, that's, a, that's ridiculous, though. That's like... Elite level production. It's ridiculous to sit here and talk about Paris you know, Campbell ten, like he's a proven like, I'm not. Receiver. I'm not ten, looking. You're I'm right, not. Ten, ten I'm not looking ten's at. Low. I'm not. Ten's you guys low. are getting this assumption for some reason that I think Paris Campbell's this elite star. I just think he's a very good receiver. No, you said he's a proven a, NFL wide receiver. No, I said he's proved that he can play. And another thing also is that getting 900 yards in the NFL is a, like I a think Paris. Thing to I do. think Paris Campbell healthy is. Similar in a similar tier to Christian Kirk. Okay, how about this? Uh, if he plays, I'm low on Kirk, so fine. He has to play 13 games for it to count. 13 oh. games, 700 yards. That's fair. I took eight, you said seven to 900. Why isn't it? So why should I say 900? I, I went in the middle to 800. End. That's high. End. You said seven to nine. I went in the middle man, at 800. Just give your spiel, man. Enough of this. Do, do you not want to do it? It's not that I don't want to do it. It's just that with Paris Campbell, it's such a. I'm giving you the out. If he plays less than 13 games, it's done. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want to bank on an injury it's like cool. that. It's cool. Because you know? if his injury doesn't count. Um. You're just going to... Look, I'd rather just see the look in your face when you see Paris Campbell take the top off the defense and have consistently good performances. I'm sure he'll do it than, once or twice throughout the than, season. Than me betting with you. He's going to do it like once and he's going to blow up the group. I don't so, oh my to, God, do you see Paris Campbell as I don't need to take your, I don't need to take your money 15. for me to feel satisfaction about that. I don't know. It has nothing to do about the money. Like I don't, I don't care about the money. It's just that I know he's not getting 800 yards. If he stays healthy? Yes, that's why 13, 13 games, bro. 13 games is a pretty big sample size for me to be like, can he play, can he not play? Well, 13 games, 800 yards is... Very, very great production. Bro, this man's played 15 games in his career. I was just about to ask, has he played 13 years. games? Exactly. Like, I'm just saying, if he, this year... I know you have the Colts agenda and everything, and I respect so you. It's, so not, it's saying, not just the Colts agenda. It's just that this is a guy that I think can play that I okay, hope gets the opportunity fair. to prove hey, himself. So, so he can double his career total in yards this season? Yes. Wow. Yes. All right. Yes. Listen, I, I like you. I That's like 600 yards. Firm. It's it's not a high part of climb. No disrespect. Seven twenty. Seven twenty. It's not no disrespect. He can do that though. Like, but you're give your spiel on a coast. So you okay. need to talk about. I, I know I haven't because you're I'm too, I'm too busy picking apart your fucking spiel going on with all about this Paris shit Campbell. about the I mean, about sorry, Paris dude. Campbell, Naeem turn, Hines, turn, Alec Pierce. Turn on the film and you gonna see Paris Campbell fly. Okay, the Colts. I've been pretty on record or consistent since they got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is an upgrade. Over Carson Wentz. I don't think it's a massive upgrade. Honestly, if this Colts team, if you place them in the NFL in 2019, before Josh Allen broke out, before Justin Herbert was in the league, when you know Tom Brady was on the Patriots his last year, really, then I'd be like, you know what? The Colts, they can make a Super Bowl run. You know, they Hell can go yeah. it. But now you, you look at the rest of the AFC, and you have Justin Herbert now. You have Josh Allen breaking out, being the best quarterback in the league. Russell you have Wilson's Russell now Wilson in the AFC. AFC. The same team virtually the Colts beat last year. They beat the Bills last year. Good for them. The they, they smoke them. The playoffs? They smoke them. Okay, the Bills lost to the Jaguars, too. Like, it happens. The Colts lost to the Jaguars, too. And it's Exactly. Like, it's the regular season. A lot of weird shit happens. But you're acting like they don't have a chance. They have a chance. I mean, it's a one-week playoff, Maybe so it's I guess. not as, as big of a chance as you it's think. It's not a best-of-seven series. You are just counting them out. I am. I I'm, think they I'm win the division. Them, I'm having them make the playoffs because they're going to win the division. They win the division in but the start division. Tough. Okay. It gets tough. I can't wait until we're here week 15, and then I know you're never going to do it, but I know that you are going to – you'll at least be able to say they can be a dark horse. I 
I don't have a big spiel because I think they're an average team in the AFC. I have them going ten and seven. They'll win the division. But Matt Ryan, average team is strong in the AFC. That's what I'm saying. It's a little strong still. They're, I feel like they're, they're the a eighth, little slightly. They're the eighth above. best team in the AFC. There's fifteen, uh, sixteen teams in the AFC. Who are the seven better than them? I have the four teams in the AFC West. Agreed. Bills, Ravens, Bengals. That's so the yeah eighth best team. That's what I said. The Raiders you know what? are. Hey, I, I'm quick to you know. The Raiders are all Miami around in there. The Raiders are all around better that. team than the Colts. I'll take the Colts. I'll take the. I would the take Raiders. the Raiders all around. I would take the Devontae Raiders. Adams, yeah. Offensively, yeah. Defensively, Listen, they're not close. Raiders were a play away from from advancing to that next Raiders round. Made the playoffs, but they're not. Their defense is not close to the Colts' defense. I mean, it's they just got better on better. the D line. Secondary wise, yes, they're not that. Good. They're not that great by any means. But even still, the pressure is going to be fine. Where it's going to alleviate some pressure on the secondary. Offense got. You're better. counting on Chandler Jones' health. Is, is that wrong of me? You're counting on Paris Campbell's yeah, correct. Okay, so that's fair. Like fair, Paris fair. Campbell's like, so come on, now, bro. So I'm that, not. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, hold on. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh whoa. my god. If Paris if Paris Campbell doesn't play and gets hurt, I still think the Colts are a great team. I'm not counting on Paris Campbell to be the reason why the Colts are great. The Colts can be great regardless. It's just Paris Campbell gives them a a, a proof a Chandler guy Jones. who can be the second oh best God. receiver. All right, Chandler Jones games played since 2015, 15, 16, 16, 16, 16, 5, 15. Years. That's the last seven years he, he had one injured season. No, I know. 15, he, 5, as 16. As of recently, as of recently, he got hurt one season in 2016. Yeah, he's healthy. He's healthy. He had worries one, me. He had one injured season. The five worries me. And also the, the, the Raiders' offensive line isn't good, but right, even bro. still, Derek Carr still made okay, it work. And I was adamant if you on take that. The Derek Carr and Matt Ryan. Fine, are the same give team. him the Raiders. They're the seventh best but, team but in the I, AFC. But I would Sick. take Derek Carr right now. I'm and not that offense is I like better. Derek Carr. But I'm saying, and that offense is significantly better in totality. Listen, the it's Colts, not significantly better. It might be slightly better. Matt you Ryan would be creaming his pants if he had Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. I just, I just don't know how you say that when. The Colts finished with a top ten offense and defense. You think the Colts jo- are Jonathan Taylor is him? It's you a top. T- their offense was a top ten offense, and it got better. They're Super Bowl caliber. The Colts. They're dark horses. Yeah, they're dark horses. Twelve and five. You have to have them being. Yeah, a twelve and five. They're competing for the they're, one no, seed. Yeah, not. bro. They're dark horse. I, you were at, twelve look, and five. You're competing I already, for the yeah, one seed. I already, I already that, told you. Doesn't I've, make you I've a dark said, horse. I've, yes, it does. If you're my a top three seed, twelve and five. I've told you guys. My contender. My Super Bowl pick are the Bills. Okay, but that doesn't mean everyone else is a. Dark horse. There's so, other contenders. So you're in on the Bills already? I'm all in on the Bills. I mean, really? the Bills are my choice right now to come out of the AFC. Really? Yeah, right. I'm all in. The two teams I'm all in on in the AFC are the Chargers and the Bills. So when the Chargers don't win the division, you're going to be shocked? I wouldn't be shocked. I'll just say that's something that the Chargers would do. It happens Fair all the time. Fair enough. I don't disagree with yeah. that. But I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I they should win it. Look at all the they they made they made the most uh, Listen, bro, moves of any team. If they're going to be twelve and five, they're going to be a top three seat at worst, at worst in the AFC, which means they're not a dark dark horse. They're going to have Last home year, field advantage. If I for have the first two teams two over of the them, are they a dark horse? No, no, they're contenders. They're contenders. That means they're a borderline AFC championship team. Because in your eyes, then the Broncos would be a dark horse. So last year in the NFL, the Broncos are, I guess, yeah. They could. In your eyes, that's a dark horse. Yeah, even though I would never put them as that, but. Um, <laughs> You think the Colts Last are better year, than the Broncos? Yes, oh I, do. I do. I do. I do. I do. It just makes no sense. Respect. I do. I do. Keep sleeping on the Colts, man. I'm not. No one's. I'm not sleeping. Am, am I sleeping? In your opinion, I think you're taking a nap. 
Whatever you think, man. We both have I them going ten seven. We have them winning the division. That's sleeping. I think you're in deep sleep. You're you're in REM <laughs> right now. You're it's, you're that's napping. a little bit more acceptable. You've been a little bit. Rude. I have them ten seven. Win no, the no, division. no. I mean in general. Hey, you know, like, you, you know, know I mean? the the, mo- the thing that I, that irks me the most about your take on the Colts all the time is day. that it's rooted. <laughs> it's rooted in Matt Ryan hate. It's not rooted. That's in really Matt what Ryan it is. Hate. They're just a they're a good team, but not <laughs> it's, special, bro. I know this, it's, there's seven other teams that are special in the AFC. I know it's rooted in Matt Ryan hate because last year, at the end of the year, you said the Colts are dark horse contenders. I did. And they got better. And I realized, wow, I was fucking wrong. <laughs> and they got better at the at not only at other key positions, but at the most valuable position in football. And then at you, least Drew is admitting the, the Colts okay, yeah, they're going to be and, nice. And the seven teams over that I think are better than them in the AFC have seven of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. The most yeah. important position. I'll tell you what, when he listed the names of the teams that he thinks are going to be better than them, I don't disagree well, with the majority Well, listen, we're going to find out because the Colts face the Broncos. The Colts are going to face a lot of these good teams. The, the, the Broncos, who you have beaten them this year. I mean, it could go either way. Like, yeah, maybe I probably do have the Broncos mm-hmm. beating them, but it could go either way. That's a game. They're going to be a great regular away. season team. They're going to win ten, maybe eleven oh, yeah. games, but I our, don't think they're our going offense. To the our Super offense Bowl. is more complete with, than theirs. Yes. De- defensively, you could argue that they have a little bit more. Michael Pittman is better than every receiver on your team. Going into the season, if you want to say that, it's a small gap between him and Judy. Going into the season, if you want to say that, fine. It's small. But I'd Judy, you say sudden. Judy, you got. This is where you lose me, bro. It's just so hard to level with you when you just are just so stubborn. No, it's just you guys are counting on this Jerry Judy breakout. You're counting on Paris Campbell. At least I, I'm I putting my chips in, in the right basket, bro. Would you I rather have Would you rather have Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton or Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell? I close my eyes. I step back and I and shoot. I, and, come on. Yeah, it's not close. Well, you didn't ask me that question. I would go with the Broncos, too. But Pittman is is the best receiver of okay, but of I don't, I don't really teams. care if it's one on one. Like, show me the cores of both of these teams if that's how we're comparing. Can them. I ask you a question? Uh, and, and honest, I could be wrong here. This is just off memory alone. Sutton's one season was better than Michael Pittman's last year. He correct? put up eleven hundred, eleven and six. Right? What, what did Michael Pittman have last season? Can you do me that favor? This is just off memory. Honestly, I'm curious. One thousand eighty-two, eighty-eight receptions, six touchdowns. So similar, Very, yeah, similar. So year. so we already have Sutton, who's pretty comparable to Michael Pittman. No, that's why I said it's no. Sutton. I, I'll take Sutton, not Judy, Judy, whose ceiling is higher than the both of theirs. That's ceiling, though. I mean, look, if you think, because, and I'm telling you right now, Judy and Russ already are having a great connection. In camp. I'm fine with you thinking Judy's going to break out. I have no problem. That's it's actually more of a unpopular opinion to say Judy won't break out. Which is why everybody it's pissing me off. Everybody is saying Judy's going to break out. Which is because it's the correct opinion to have. No, it's an opinion to have. It's not the correct <laughs> one because it didn't happen. It can't be correct if it didn't happen All right, yet. fine, man. If, you, if that's the route you want to take, fine. Like, I don't know. How, something can't be correct if it is yet to happen. Uh, you can say the same thing about everything we talk about on the show, bro. Yeah, but it's an opinion show. It, I'm, I'm, we don't say it's correct. It's just an opinion this is what based I'm saying. on projections. It's the, it's the vocabulary and the diction that I'm choosing to use right now. Yes, but it does make a correct prediction, you know? So, Judy, they're already. I've already listed out concerns for why I don't think it's a breakout. The fit between him and Russ, I think, is a little bit shady. Because Russ can't, can't throw over the middle of the field, too, right? Because he's too short? No, he can throw over the middle of the field. He can, he can lay it in But there. wasn't that your thing that you told me that he doesn't really strive over the middle of the field? If you look at his heat maps with... Um, that PFF makes where it shows it has wherever quarterbacks pass the ball is in red, wherever they don't is in blue. The entire middle of the field for Russell Wilson 
is blue. The entire outside of the field for Russell Wilson is red. Do you think that coincides with the fact that DK and Tyler Lockett are deep threats? I don't think necessarily because he's had route runners in the past that he's played with before, like Doug Baldwin. And I'm sure that they had some connections. No, great years. Yeah, he's had great years, but most of those were outside the numbers. Like the the heat map was still similar. What makes you think Judy can't win outside the numbers? Because I think he's going to be in the slot. I think Patrick and Cortland Sutton are the outside receivers. I think they're going to be the outside receivers in that offense. But I'm saying Jerry I Judy's Judy route, is a his slot. route running abilities is going to get him open on the outside as well. Look, I'm not saying you're wrong, but he's going to play in the slot, which primarily you are working in the in- middle of the field. So he might be every single time Russell Wilson's first option. As a slot? Yes. I don't think so. I think it's more likely Corlin Sutton is the number one option in that, on that team. You're going to disagree, but I, it's fine. Like, look, fair. it's nothing. there's nothing wrong with being a role player, bro. Judy can be a fine role player. He's not a role he player. He can have a Brandon Ayuk-like impact. That's what he's. That's what Ayuk's been having. It's fine. Sorry, right, man. There's nothing wrong with it. Listen, I just love that we're getting this all out now because come season starts, we're just okay. going to pull up all this film. Okay, and Jerry Judy breakout, yeah. We're, we're going to see. Like I already said, schematically there's there's just stuff that worries me about it i'm not so quick just because of the name and his draft position all right man yep it is unfortunate Paris campbell was a higher tired prospect than terry mclaurin no he was that's a fact and jerry judy was one of the most polished prospects that come out of alabama but that's what shows you that not not all the time prospects that are rated higher are the ones exactly paris campbell versus terry mclaurin yeah, I know. Terry McLaurin is significantly better. Not once did I say Paris Campbell is better. I no, just but said you, you threw that in I there. think no, I said that because Paris Campbell is not just some scrub. Like Paris Campbell, he just hasn't had the opportunity. He, bro, he's been too hurt. And the which games in the games he's played, he's averaging like thirty yards a game. Most of that was with Jacoby Brissett. That that was twenty twenty one. This was this past season. He played what four games? Six, six games. He got injured in the sixth one. That's all I have to on go like off the, of, though, like bro. Like he quarter. doesn't. He what else am I supposed to go off of? The film when you watch it, he gets open. Like Jacoby Brissett was throwing to him in 2019. He doesn't throw deep down the field at all. So that's why, like, all right, man. All right we're gonna see, man. We will. Let's move on. Next topic: the Houston Texans. What are you expecting from them this year? They fired David Cully. That was a very controversial move in their franchise because they promoted Lovey Smith, yeah. the defensive coordinator. They went four and thirteen last year. Do you think they finished with a similar record, a worse one? What are your thoughts on the Texans? I have them winning one more game. I have them going five and twelve. And I think if you're a Texans fan, you should be excited, right? We have Davis Mills last year who showed out and was arguably the second best rookie in the NFL, right up there with Mac Jones. Honestly, you know, no one was expecting him to have this type of impact, being a you know third round pick. But I think if you're a Texans fan, you're going to have a really young team, right? You took Derek Singley, number three overall. Boomer bust type of pick, right? You know, depending on what player you're getting from LSU, are you, are you getting that top-tier shutdown corner? Are you getting the guy who's been injured the last couple of years? You have Kenyon Green, who's selected at 15, who could play four different positions on the offensive line. Jalen Petrie at pick 37, who played in the slot a lot more than safety um, while he was at Baylor, but you just lost Justin Reed, so is he going to go back to play safety? Is he going to play corner? Um, then John Mechie, wide receiver too, outside of, uh, you know, opposite of Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is one of the most consistent receivers in the league. You can not nail him down for a thousand yards. He just does it in his sleep. 
But I think John Mechie was someone who surprised me when I was watching Jamison Williams field. I was not expecting to be as impressed as I was. He's good. He's very good uh, possession type of wide receiver. And I think he has a very easy role carved out for him because he doesn't have to beat out many other players like Nico Collins. is probably his biggest competition outside of obviously Brandon Cooks. And then Damian Pierce in the fourth round out of Florida never really got the full workload. Only had 100 carries in his junior and senior season. Um, but had a really good uh, efficiency ratings. And the Texans last year, league worst, 3.4 yards per attempt. Their running back room, they also brought in uh, Marlon Mack. So they're going to have a uh, you know, li- little bit more explosiveness there, which I think you should be excited for. But unfortunately, I mean, their schedule isn't, isn't easy, and they're still one of the worst teams in football. I have them starting off like 0-9. Um, Can you just name their Ws for me? Because yeah. you said five. So I have them. The, the games that I'm... Comp that I think they'll win week 11 at Washington. I think they'll split with Tennessee and week 17 versus Jacksonville split with Tennessee. Yeah. I wow. think there's a few other games where they can win. It could go 50 50 where I gave them a two wins. Cause there's like four or five games at Chicago at Jacksonville um, at the giants and then Cleveland, depending on quarterback, Cleveland probably beat them, but there's probably like three games there that I think could go either way, which, which brought up their win by one for me. So, uh, if I'm te- if I'm a Texans fan, what I'm looking forward to the most is Davis Mills and whether or not we could, if we're the Texans franchise, we can move on with him and and start to see him as our franchise guy or see if he's just at a, at a minimum a guy that we could potentially just build around and try and actually compete at a higher level than what they're currently competing at right now. I feel like if if I'm the Texans, this is my priority. I have a plethora of first round picks for the future that I just received from the from the Cleveland Browns. I have a roster that definitely has holes scattered throughout the entirety of the team. But you know what? I love the selection of Derek Stingley. You needed a corner. You go out and you get, in my opinion, the number one corner in the draft. I know we're going to have some some controversy you had him on over that. Sauce. I did have him over Sauce, and I I think that you look at Stingley and and how fast he is, and and how great he was that year in in 2019 with LSU, uh, before the injuries and before that the 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 lack of play started to to teeter people's opinions of him. We saw him as a true freshman be unbelievable, have one of the best seasons we've seen in a corner in college, but. Overall, one player is not going to change the entire landscape of a defense. I still think defensively they have a lot of work that they need to do. Offensively, you you basically glossed over it pretty well. You have Brandon Cooks matches in there. Pierce is an intriguing player to me because I feel like with without the depth of running back that they have in that in that running back room, I feel like Pierce is going to be put in a position where he's going to get looks and and, and he might have a little bit of success. That's yet to be seen because their offensive line where it's not. I don't think it's 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 horrible uh, off the top of my head, but of course you have Laramie Tunsil in there. That's going to save face. Where he, green. There you First go. Thank you very much. But ultimately, I still just think that they're their ways away, regardless of how I see Davis Mills. I don't think that he's a bad quarterback by any means. I think that he's more than serviceable for sure. However, I just look at the schedule and I see a very select number of wins. Yeah. Uh, week three, I have them beating Chicago at Chicago. I know that you're probably looking at that game as one that Chicago can win. But I did have them. I said one Chicago. Unfor- oh, you have them beating Chicago I'm or Chicago, Chicago winning? winning so that's yeah. what I figured. Um, I have them beating Washington, uh, and I have them beating Jacksonville Week 17, and that's really it. I, I mean, I really tried to to be fair in my assessments with, with their schedule, but I just don't see it happening where they're, they're beating uh, – I don't see them beating the Colts. Uh, I don't see them beating Tennessee – uh, Kansas City, you have teams like Dallas. Cleveland's one of those games that, depending on Deshaun's, like you mentioned already, that that could go either way. Giants is another one that you could see going either way. But 
I like to hold out optimism when it comes to the Giants, of course, for whatever reason. I, I'm a Jones. fool if I'm being real. But ultimately, I think Houston, if you're a Houston fan, what you should be looking forward to most is seeing Davis Mills progress. And I think you should also be excited because even if Davis Mills plays about what he did last year, hopefully he improves, chances are you're probably still going to have a top five pick. Plus, you're going to have Cleveland's pick, which is probably not going to be great as we're expecting Deshaun to be suspended. So worst case scenario is... Davis Mills, you go, whatever, 5-12, and 4-13, and 13, whatever it might be. You get a top-five pick. You have Davis Mills now, who you could possibly flip for a second-round pick, maybe, if he if he plays and improves on last year's season. Plus, you have Cleveland's pick. So you could go get one of the quarterbacks that are going to be coming down in the 2023 Bryce class. Young, plus, have another you know mid, maybe top-12 pick with Cleveland. I feel like the progression with the Texans has been pretty funny. In 2020, this team was... They had a hole at literally every single position... On their roster. 2020, 2021, they filled most of those holes with players on one-year one year deals that, was crazy. that were average at best. Outside of like Desmond King, he was like the most notable guy they signed. And now this year, they filled all those holes with like rookies or second-year players. Like right now, you have John Mechie, Kenyon Green, Christian Harris, Stingley, Jalen Petrie, Damian Pierce. They all have a chance to start at some point in this, at some point this season, which means they'd be starting about seven rookies. Then second year players, Davis Mills, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, they're going to be starting about like 10, 11 first or second year players next year. As they should. And I know everybody's really gassed up and souped up about like this Davis Mills thing because uh, he did show some things on film last year. Uh, weeks 14 to 18, he had a 9 to 2 touchdown interception ratio, 251 yards per game, 68% completion percentage. But it wasn't all pretty, you know? Like, Mills had the lowest success rate on checkdowns of any quarterback in the last four years by nearly 11%. Those are on specifically flat routes. Uh, he had a 16.7% uh, success rate on those on those plays, which means that He's one of the bigger check down artists that we've seen in a very long time. He checks it down a lot, which is why his efficiency numbers were pretty good. (laughs) Would you believe me if I'm looking at a a highlight clip of Paris Campbell catching a ball that Matt Ryan definitely did not put in the spot where he needed to be, but Paris Campbell made a hell of a catch. Well, Paris Campbell can play. Hold on. Hopefully we don't get copyrighted for this. No, we won't because it's not in the... the Say no one can see this. Yeah, they can't see it. Let's look at that pretty ball. It's a terrible throw. Wow, look at that. That throw was ass, but that catch was nice. I mean, that's where he could only put it, though. You could put if it on the put, outside. If he put it on the outside, he's going to go out of higher. bounds. He was going to go out of bounds, though. If you put it higher, he catches it and comes that's not, down That's feet. not bad ball placement because he threw it, the at, corner, the, he threw it at the corner. Dude, what the we're corner, not going to do is break down know, training camp film. Bro, that's the what we're corner, not going to do. Corner, the corner's sucked. not looking at the pass, though. The corner's not looking at the pass. What are you saying about the pass? Dude, that pass was ass. Stop hating on that. We just Ryan, talked about man. the Colts for like 50 minutes. Stop hating on that, man. But listen, I think the Texans are going to be bad again next year. There's no, no way around it. I think that Davis Mills is is going to be good enough to be like he's solid, but not good enough to for you to for the Texans to be like we're going to pass up on Bryce Young for this guy. Yeah, they shouldn't. Like, no, I think Davis Mills is a bridge quarterback. He had a good rookie season, but. I'm not super high on Davis Mills' projection. Davis Mills needs to be Kirk Cousins for them to pass on Bryce Young. I think Davis Mills... And I'm not saying Kirk Cousins now. I'm saying Kirk Cousins when he was ascending to being a starter. I think Kirk Cousins is Davis Mills' ceiling. 
That's what like, I that's think so his well ceiling said. is. So well said. Um, but I'm not very high on Davis Mills. I don't. I don't. I think Kirk Cousins, although he has a ceiling, a limited ceiling. Kirk Cousins like makes the right play almost all the time. His his problem is that he just can't extend anything. Davis Mills can use his legs a little bit, but there are some decisions there that I do have questions about. But this team is going to be bad. I mean, the additions they made to the roster, Marlon Mack, who's always hurt, A.J. Cangar from the Jaguars. Steven Nelson was pretty good. Their secondary might overachieve a little bit with Stingley and uh, Steven Nelson and Desmond King. They brought in Christian Kirksey, Jerry Hughes, and Mario Addison. So bringing in some players from the Bills' defensive line, I think that's going to help them. But they are just devoid of talent currently. And their rankings from last year, 30th-ranked offense and 27th-ranked defense, is probably going to stay around the same. Uh, I have them going 3-14. and 14. Um, The nice. only wins I see them winning are Chicago. Jacksonville could be a win, but they could very well lose that. I think they split. So Chicago, Jacksonville, and the Giants, that's it, really. That's fine. That, I had that, Washington. Those are the three wins I have them that's winning. That's fine. I'm fine with three that. Three games I have them I winning. I have three and 14 also, so. I'm That's cool why, that. yeah. I'm not, you know, Texans are the Texans. I know, know, and I'm super stoked to talk about this next team. Yeah. Also, I was going to ask you, so if Judy has 66 receptions for 970, 987 yards, what are your thoughts? I'm disappointed. That's a, that's a break. Okay, I'm just checking. Because I'm consistent, bro. I'll be honest. No, I'm just checking because I'm Denver, disappointed. Denver fan, which is a radio station in Denver, uh. they crunched up a bunch of numbers to calculate where Jerry Judy stats should be year three. So based on his uh, catchable ball percentage and also accounting for Russell Wilson and his impact and the target share, that was their it, it's saying the projection line? is 66 catches for 987 yards. Any touchdowns or no? Um, it has no touchdowns here in this projection. That's fine. Uh, if, if they're going based off projections, it's understandable. Where his rookie season, he had over 800. Second season, missed some time. Wasn't as productive as as many Bronco fans would would have wanted him to be, me included. But I understand the situation that he was in, and I understand now that he's getting Russell Wilson, and the sky's the limit. I think that's a good season for him. I would be disappointed. Me too. Like I know you'd be disappointed because you're like saying thirteen hundred yards and stuff, like twelve hundred yards and stuff. But I think that's a reasonable season for him. Just with Russell Wilson, I, I just can't see a world where he is not at least in a thousand yard receiver. The only they should have just been kind and just given him a thousand. What nine eighty four is what they had? Nine eighty seven. Okay. The only reason, the only I'd only I'd agree with you if he's a first round pick. I want to see him dog. I'd agree with you if the Broncos didn't have so much depth. Like if this was Seattle, where it's Lockett, DK, and nobody else, I'm like that. Judy should get a thousand. It should just be a known fact that Jerry Judy should be the most important Judy wide should receiver. Separate himself Correct. from the rest of these Correct. guys because he but has. I don't think it's he really has that certain characteristics that nobody else on the team has. And Sutton has some also. The only one that I will give him is his over-the-top ability of literally a one-on-one. But even still, Judy has shown flashes where one-on-one he can still win. Yeah. So that's disappointing for Over the top, I said. So yeah, what if it's just a thousand flat? He breaks over a thousand in year three. I'm happy, but I want to see him in the 13 yard difference. So you're saying the 13 yard difference is you from disappointed to I need but I no, I want to see him clean over a thousand. Clean like eleven hundred. I want to see him just not even it'd be a question because eleven hundred you can't even there's nothing you could say negatively on eleven hundred. I don't know if you guys Because I'll tell you what, a thousand and one from Mike Williams, I shit talk him for that. 
because he barely broke a thousand. And this is the guy that everyone likes to chat about being that guy. Where but this he past was a, season, he was great. Twenty nineteen, pa- he was great. He was good. Even though a it's thousand, just a thousand one yards, you know what? You're you're really good. A thousand yards, you're really good. He got that in fifteen games. There's no, though. there's no small. So he didn't feet. play the final game. But in Mike Williams' first two seasons, Jerry Judy had that combined in his first. Yeah. Mike Jerry Judy is going to be great. No, for sure. But he still played the same, uh, same amount of games. So Judy, um, I don't know if you he guys played, seen this. He played a decent amount of games, actually, but believe it or not. He he uh, he suffered a groin injury at practice two days ago, and he tweaked his hamstring three days ago in practice, Judy. He, he came back out to watch the rest of practice, so I don't think it's serious. Yeah. I mean, also, I was just going to let you guys know, just for me to go on a little bit of a victory lap here. Um, De- I would love the victory lap in June. Debo, Debo wasn't my only wide receiver take last year. It was Mike Will, too. I said he was going to have his best season of his career. Mike I said Will, that also. Mike Will was fantastic the first eight weeks. I said that also. Yeah. yeah. With the, him being in the ex receiver in that he offense. He has to be. He had to yeah. be. Yeah, so man. Mike will so had Justin Harper. I probably had more so it's two for two. You know he had ten games in 2017, 2016, 16 games. He only started six because he's not him. Who was starting over? Obviously Keenan. Who like who the hell was starting? I don't know. It makes Williams. Sense. Williams. The other Williams. The the will he's I forgot his first name, but he's the deep threat for them. 2018 Chargers. I know. I know. Let me see. I think he had a thousand yards that year. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. So Keenan Allen had twelve hundred, basically. Tyrell Williams had six. Tyrell. He had. He was good. He oh, yeah, had nah, for sure. For sure. He had six fifty three in that year. So he had less than Mike. Mike oh, Will. I mean, Mike Will had in sixteen games had six sixty four yards, but ten touchdowns. In five stars. impressive for yeah, sure. I mean, six, five. Yeah. I mean, he's the red zone threat there. That year, they had Keenan, Mike Will, Tyrell. And the next season, 1,001 Austin, with two. And then the year after Antonio that, 756. How many touchdowns? Five. But touchdowns fluctuate. I mean, I, under, I understand, like, look, Mike Will is a disappointment for where he was selected. He was supposed to be an elite receiver. Oh, yeah. But he's still a great receiver. My point being is, if people can prop up Mike Williams, I should be allowed to prop up Jerry Judy, which I'm not saying you guys aren't saying that. I'm just speaking generally. I believe in Jerry Judy and his ability. Especially so with what's Russell your Wilson. so what what would it be your thought process if Judy is Mike Will in terms of the production? I'll, do you want me to live in your hypothetical? Because I don't think that that's going to happen. Because I think Mike Judy's Will going to Mike him. Will just had eleven hundred yards and that was his best season. And even still, there was moments in that season where he was a no show. Oh yeah, the first eight weeks is when he absolutely dominated the league and he disappeared. I say this. I, I listen. I don't want this to be. So a if Judy has eleven hundred, you're disappointed. No, I said eleven hundred. I'm fine with. You're fine with. Yeah, hell yeah. Like overly ecstatic with or fine with. Eleven hundred, and we are the top of our division. So why Take that to the fucking crib? So why eleven hundred for Mike Will? You're like disappointed. In year five, I'm not disappointed in it. Okay. I what? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just okay. saying people love to prop up Mike Will, and they were consistently saying Mike Will, Mike Will, Mike Will. Then. Let me get my Jerry Judy propaganda off. Mike, Mike was very up and down. It wasn't just the first eight weeks. He was just very up and down last season. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers offense was up and down. Joe Lombardi, new play caller. Nothing was really consistent for them. And they got hit with, like, some COVID bugs and stuff throughout the year. Right. But last team. last team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is Trevor Lawrence going to take that next step this season? Doesn't have to be MVP candidacy like Carson Wentz in 2017 with Doug Peterson, 
just take a next step because in his rookie year, a lot of people have doubts whether he can even be a franchise quarterback at this level. So do you think he's going to take that step for now, people to say, you know what, he's a franchise guy? Uh, me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm still a fan of Trevor Lawrence, and I still believe in his abilities, especially now you're bringing ETN back. You bring him an, a weapon. Let me not say a, a, a tremendous upgrade in Christian no Kirk. But no, nope. <laughs> I'm not going to get rude. Um, but Christian Kirk's an upgrade for sure. Um, you think so? What, Paris? Kirk, Kirk is good, man. I don't know, man. I'm not a. Hey, that's I'm a, not. That's a cold take from you, Joel. What was that? Uh, no, I putting said, putting a guy that hasn't played much over Kirk. I don't know. Oh, this guy. He doesn't play. No. Um. My point being, let me continue with what I'm saying. I apologize. Uh. Now you bring in Doug Peterson, also who's been great in quarterback development. Um. I believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be put in a better situation to succeed this year, where his offensive line's in a good spot. He doesn't have to worry about that. The one thing that I would like to see them do more of is surround him with wide receiver talent. And I think as the years go on, they, they the Jacksonville Jaguars will do that. Uh, but, but defensively, I still have my worries about them. You bring in Walker with the number one overall pick. That's still a question as of right now because you're going based off physical attributes instead of actual production. Me personally, I would have gone the the safer route and, and tried to meet in the middle with an Aiden Hutchinson who had both the production and the physical attributes. But that's just me. What do I know? Just a guy that talks on a podcast, a pretty successful one if I say so myself. Uh, however, I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to take a nice stride in his development. I'm not too sure based off the the current landscape of the Jaguars, whether it's going to be one that propels him into the top 15 conversation or, or, or the top 10 conversation. I think that the Jaguars are still their ways away from being true contenders. Um, but I think that now you bring in Doug Peterson, you bring in Travis Etienne, Christian Kirk, hopefully James Robinson comes back. He showed to be very effective, not only in the run, but as well as the pass. I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be in some decent hands. Unfortunately for the the team as a whole, I don't I don't see a a great outcome for them come the end of the season. Right now I have them with a record of 4 and 13. I'll go over the wins. Uh, I have them winning actually week 1 at Washington. I have them beating the Colts. I have them beating Houston and I have them beating Tennessee week 18 and that's all that I have them winning this season. Uh, going against the Chargers, Philadelphia, that's going to be difficult. Indianapolis, I have Indianapolis uh, beating them, uh, splitting, excuse me. I have the Giants beating them. I have Denver beating them, of course. Las Vegas, Kansas City, Baltimore. Detroit's one of those that you probably could question, but I'm higher on Detroit uh, this season. I definitely like uh, the route that Detroit's going this season, or I should say the traject- uh, the projection of Detroit this season, I'm pretty high on. And Tennessee, I don't see it. Dallas, I don't see it. Jets, I gave you guys that W. And Houston, I think that they do end up splitting as well. So that's 4-13 and 13 right there. I'm very interested when we get to the NFC East where your record's going to be for the Giants. I know, man. You got there with a few wins. I mean, what, two, three yeah. right now? I mean, Might be I'm, more than I have. I'm, I'm hoping the Giants can teeter into that seven, but I don't know, bro. You think the Giants or Lions have a better record? Lions. I like the Lions. I do. Their offense is cute, bro. I'll it be is. honest. Jameson, Swift, Jameson, Amon Ra. I know, but still, he's going to be probably back around week four, week five, optimistically. Uh, Amon Ra, like I said, Jameson Williams, Swift, Jamal Williams. That offensive line is fantastic. They got some, yeah, they got some guys. Goff just has to be be what he was last year. If you know, a little bit better. I need a okay. little bit better. I want, and then they can actually win. Maybe, maybe sealing eight games. That's fair. 
Trevor Lawrence, it really depends on what you think that next step is. Because we talked about it. Last year was a historically terrible season. It was bad. But you had a ton go wrong for him, right? First of all, the roster wasn't that great. Their other first-round pick, Travis Etienne, had a list Frank injury. He was out the entire season. That was going to be his best friend, his checkdown, who obviously he played with at Clemson, had a great connection with. Then you had Urban Meyer. The whole Urban Meyer situation with probably one of the top three biggest failures in terms of head coaches of all time you know urban meyer came in everyone expected him to change the culture be able to develop trevor lawrence develop this organization really and it obviously didn't go well so going to this season it can't be worse right there is no way that you have the roster has improved the coaching has improved trevor lawrence going into year two a full offseason training camp otas minicamp going through this for the second year being able to get acquainted with all of his guys getting travis Etienne back james robinson potentially being back at some point during the season although he did uh tears achilles was that week 17 18 late um but you know you should be you should be excited if you're a Jaguars fan because similar to the Texans you have a young team right you should be excited for Trevor and Trayvon Walker Devin Lloyd in the second round Travis Etienne who when last time we saw him on the field was an electric playmaking running back so for the Jaguars I have a similar record I'm going four and thirteen the three wins that I have that I feel somewhat confident in, I think they're going to split with Tennessee they're going to beat Houston I have them winning against the Giants and then there's a few games whether that's at Washington um, potentially at Detroit. I do. Potentially uh, at Detroit, potentially at the Jets, potentially at Houston again. I think they'll win one of those games and get to 4-13. and 13. But overall, they're still a ways away. I think Jaguars fans know this. I think you should be expecting this. The AFC is just incredibly difficult. And if you go through this entire, divi- this entire schedule, there's not many winnable games on here, unfortunately. Now, we did see the Jaguars go out and beat the Bills, you know, in the regular season, although it was 9-6 to six and... Might have been the weirdest game of the entire 2021 season. Who knows? Maybe they go and steal a game here or there. We saw Doug Peterson, a very successful head coach, win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, who obviously is not the top-tier quarterback that we're expecting Trevor Lawrence to be. But, you know, still one of the most highly touted prospects of all times. It's one bad year. I'm not going to overreact to it completely. But if Trevor Lawrence puts up another really incredible stinker this upcoming season, then I'm probably going to get on the train where he's not going to work out. Because we talked about a few months ago, those first two seasons are really important for quarterback's development. And it really shows what type of quarterback they're going to be for the rest of their career. But at least going into this 2022 season, his second year in the league, getting a few guys in free agency to improve their offensive line, the, the wide receiver room, as well as get ETN back in the backfield. I think you should be excited. Hopefully he's able to develop and turn to that franchise quarterback they've been missing. Like I'm a bit higher on the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence in general because I think last year, despite the dysfunction, they competed in games. They competed versus the Bengals on Thursday Night Football. They were leading at halftime. They could have won that game. They beat the Dolphins. That was a huge win. They beat the Bills. They competed against the Colts both times. Second time, just beat them outright, and it wasn't even a competition. They competed against the Falcons. Um, so they they competed against the Jets. Like, there's a lot of close games there that could have went their way, but just didn't go their way. Urban Meyer was a complete disaster. Daryl Bevel was a complete disaster as an OC, as a play caller. There was coaching matters so much in the NFL that if you don't have competent coaching. If you have average coaching, it can cost you a lot. When you have arguably one of the worst coach, coaching uh, coaches in all, of all time in NFL history, in Urban Meyer, that's a pretty big deal. 32nd ranked offense, and when you look at the stats, Trevor Lawrence, it shows that he didn't have a good rookie season. He was very bad. But 
during the season, I'm not watching much Jaguars games. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been watching more games of theirs. And Trevor Lawrence is impressive. Trevor Lawrence has one of the better pocket movements in, in the NFL already at his young age. His one issue is that he just breaks the pocket a little bit too yeah. fast. He's able to, he steps into almost every throw. He doesn't shy away from throws. Has an amazing arm. And he just has an amazing feel. Because of that, when I look at what he has already in terms of intangibles and what he showed on tape, and you're adding in Doug Peterson, you have an improved wide receiver core. Although the Jaguars' weapons room is, oh, it's still one of the worst in the league. I mean, last year they had a kick returner and a first-round bust as their best receivers. Like now, at least they have a solidified number two in Christian Kirk. They have Marvin Jones, who's a deep, deep threat. And now their number one last year is now the number four in Chenault. So I think that is going to make a pretty significant difference. And Evan Ingram is somebody that he has drop issues, but he's able to win mismatches because he's an athletic guy at the tight end position. And they added a lot in the offseason. Travis Etienne is coming back. Kirk, Zay Jones, Ingram, Brandon Scherf, uh, Fadakazi, Arden Key, Trayvon Walker, Alua Khan, Darius Williams, Devin Lloyd. They added a lot of talent on this roster. Now, Christian Kirk, I understand when he got his contract, everybody was up in arms about it and talked about how he's overpaid. But he contractually, he's with Kenny Galladay in terms of their value. They're both tied 10th in the league. Yeah, and both are that's terrible not, contracts. Not a good thing. They're tie, he's tied at 14 with Galladay in annual money. He's tied at 15 with Tyler Lockett in guaranteed money. And Kirk's contract is in the ballpark with the Brandon Cooks, Galladay, and Tyler Lockett's. And Kirk last year was eighth in EPA per target. So he he produced. And although you can say, yeah, it was with Kyle, like Christian Kirk has showed that he can produce at the NFL level. He's not a high-end number one, but he is by far the best option the Jaguars are going to have. If we look at next last season, he is a, is a significant upgrade. DJ Chark, you're like, taking him clear over... DJ Chark didn't play last year. I'm, I'm just asking generally. I agree. Um, I would take Kirk over Chark right now. And I LaVisca's, think Chark Chark has been hurt. He's only had LaVisca, one big time LaVisca's here. Sign might be might be gone. Yeah, you're done with him. Yeah, it's tragic, truthfully. It is, he because he's a very like talented player, very versatile, but just hasn't really gotten that opportunity. And now we're going to year three with him. It's gonna be tough for him to break out, especially now it's a. It's not loaded. I mean, but it's, he has it's a lot Kirk, more guys it's to Kirk, beat out. Zay Jones and. If he couldn't do Jones. it last year with no one, agreed. It's hard for I'm me not to get It's the both Jones, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones. And, and also, Kirk. it's just unfortunate. Like we we've spoken to it at nauseum, truthfully, about how the coaching has put them in such a shitty situation. But that didn't benefit Lavishka Chanel by any means. Either. That's true. Yeah, he had 600 yards last year. I would like to see him get some more rushing opportunities because he did that in college as Let well. Let him be the wide back. He, yeah, he's facts. not in a position where he's not a. Uh, or he shouldn't be open-minded to the idea of being put in more situations with the ball in his hands. Like last year, Trevor Lawrence made some of the best throws all season that Hell weren't yeah. caught. I mean, last year he was a top ten quarterback in terms of EPA on perfectly covered plays, uh, but he was the worst on non uh, covered, non perfectly covered plays. Like when you're too open for a three. Yeah, which means that Trevor Lawrence, when it when it was smothered, he dropped it right into bread basket. But for some reason. When things were open, he just frankly didn't really see it well. But I think that's an alar- that's due in large part to coaching. That's in large part to coaches telling you where to go with the football in certain situations. If this is open, if you see, if you read this defender, go here. I feel like Doug Peterson's going to help with that tremendously. 
And I think that's really the fact that's leading me to say that they're going to win six games this year. Okay. I think I think both the Jets and the Jaguars are in positions to double their win total. Six games may seem like a stretch, but I think they're going to win one against Indianapolis. They Agreed. just always have their number. Uh, Houston, I feel like they can win it or either sweep them. I think really? most likely it's going to be a, a split. It's, it's going to be a split. Okay. So that's one win against Colts, one, one, win, one win against the Texans. I think they beat the Giants. That's their third win. I think they can beat Detroit. That's their fourth win. And I like the Jets. I'm a Jets fan, Ooh. but they can beat the Jets too. Low in Detroit or? I'm not low in Detroit. They're just in the same tier to me. Okay. The Jaguars fine. have a better defense in Detroit Lions. The Jaguars defense is their secondary group. You've got Shaq Griffin. You have Tyson Campbell. You now have, I forgot their other cornerback that they just added. Oh, Darius Williams. So you now have three legitimate starting corners that you have. Their linebacking core got better. Defensive line is is a bit better as well. So their defense, I think they have an all-around more balanced team than the Lions. And last year, the Jaguars showed. Like, they beat the Bills. They got that surprise win. They competed with the Bengals. It, the NFL is something is, is a league where, you know, they can beat maybe a Denver Week 8 or a, a freaking uh, a Tennessee Week 14 or a Dallas Week 15 and just shock everybody. So because of that, I think, you know, I, I give them some of those gimme games, but then I'm taking into that I'm I'm taking into account that they're probably going to surprise us with one one of those wins against one of the top teams. That's how I feel about the Lions. So I can understand you feeling that way about this team because so, you know what they have young exciting talent. Yeah, so that's why I have them at six and eleven. It's either six and eleven, five or twelve. But I feel like you're going to see that growth out of Trevor Lawrence this year, where he's going to be a top. 18 quarterback and I'm rooting, after the end of the I'm, season. I'm rooting for that because I want Trevor Lawrence to to live up to the expectations that were dawned upon him early in his career. It's unfair to to a degree the the expectations put on on kids' shoulders like that at such a young age. However, I want I want him to live up to it because you know what? At, at a certain point, you can't make excuses. You, like stat projection, I'll go like 23, 24 touchdowns to nine, ten picks. Limit the turnovers, exceed, have a have a nice touchdown interception ratio. If you're the Jaguars, you're feeling extremely confident. It's your number one priority is just developing him this year. I no think doubt. for sure, though, he's going for 4,000 yards. 4,000 with this receiving group? Yeah, he went for 3,600. All right. It's possible year. then. It's possible. With horrible coaching, 3,600. And so, ETN comes in, and he's healthy, and, and him. And James Robinson being out, you know, I'm you don't have. he's healthy, man. I don't think the running game is going to be as there. Ah, ETN's like that. ETN is, I love ETN, but. Yeah, he's like it's that. It's just, it's. A bit different with Robinson not being there. You got him coming off a list Frank injury too. Who knows? No, exactly. He looks like. That's very true. I'm optimistic. That's going to do it for episode 186 of the Pickaside Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Pickaside Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Pickaside Podcast, and buy merch at PickasidePodcast.com. Thank you guys for watching and or listening, and we'll see you next time.